Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, is a podcast that discusses sex, intimate and sexual situations, sexualized anatomy, alcohol, and substance use. Naughty language will be used. We recommend listeners be 18 or older, as some content will not be suitable for younger listeners. Individual episodes may contain additional content warnings. Please refer to these at the start of each episode to keep yourself safe. Most importantly, have fun and enjoy. Welcome to Wham, Bam, Thank You, Ma'am, the smuttiest, sluttiest podcast this side of literary analysis. I'm Corinne, and I'm here because I studied media when I was in college, and I had a writing minor, so I, I tend to know a lot about literature. Andy, what about you? Why are you here? Hi, I'm Andy. I'm here court order. No, I'm kidding. I'm here (laughs) because I have spent most of my life ingratiated into phantom culture and also people seem to take my annoying habits as humor. So, hi. You're not annoying. You're fun. Oh, hang on. Too early. Viewers take a drink every time Andy says something (laughs) self-deprecating. Yeah, uh, viewers, listeners, take a drink every time Andy says something self-deprecating. And for legal reasons, this is a joke. You're going to put blood on my hands. (laughs) All the people you killed. (laughs) Murderer. (laughs) Well, now that we have a murderer on the podcast, Psyche, why are you here? I mean, well, Roxy, why are you here? Who am I? (laughs) There's a murderer here. Oh, my Lanta. Hi, my name is Roxy. I am a mental health professional and I also stream on Twitch under the handle Psyche Siren. So if you ever hear Roxy and Psyche, that's that's why. You know, I don't have like a secret life. My mom knows about this. I am here because I love romance novels. Love them. Love them to pieces. And I've got to represent the community. I'm here. <laughs> You're here to represent yeah. all the smut fans. Woo. I'm here to analyze them. (laughs) Andy's here to fandom them. You're here to represent them. I'm here to be horny on Maine. (laughs) Well, I think you and I are both here to be horny on Maine. I'm here to be (laughs) flustered. (laughs) You're here just to be. Every every time I listen to like one of our recordings and I hear my like nervous laughter, I'm like, oh girl. (laughs) Oh. I can't tell it's nervous. I just think it's cute. And that's not oh. me being a simp. Oh, thank you. Yeah. But also she is a simp. I have a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, your besties have to be your simps in this economy. Listen. <laughs> if your besties aren't your simps, who's going to simp for are you? Are they even exactly. your besties? Yeah, are they even your besties? <laughs> Join uh. your friends only fans, platonically. <laughs> this is all women who became like aware of their bisexuality into their like late 20s, 30s. Please stop yes. coming for me. Thank you. <laughs> That's not what you heard in Dragon Queens. <laughs> Mind your fucking business. Thank you. Oh, this is the energy gracious. we're bringing. This is... <laughs> we're bringing some really good energy. And, oh, I totally have the wrong podcast script notes up. <laughs> <laughs> we're four episodes in, folks. Practically professionals. Pra- practically professionals. Hey. It... Oh. Here we go. I got it. Oh, I got, I got wait, it. Wait, right. Andy, what was your hang? I do want to take a minute to celebrate. We have officially, as Corinne mentioned in our group chat earlier, we have officially over 100 listeners on our first episode. That's what? amazing. Yes! We have over 100 listens. Um, I'm That's just so exciting. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We have, I, I want to 
do a shout out to whoever the listener in Poland is. Yeah, you specifically. Thank you so much. Yeah, you specifically, because I saw you're the very first person who downloaded the second episode. I was up at like 3 a.m. because my dog was needed me. And <laughs> I looked because I'm, you know, obsessive. I refreshed the page and I saw that there was one downloaded. It was you, Poland. So thank you. We I'm glad you're enjoying this and that you came back. We have plenty of other international listeners, but I just... The one you're our favorite. <laughs> you're our favorite. Whoever you are. My husband listens to this. I, I'm not allowed to say that legally. <laughs> my spouse listens to and Poland's my favorite. <laughs> we we also have a very special listener in Canada, I, I would assume. So I'm pretty sure our good friend in Canada has listened. So we love all of you, but Poland, we yeah. see you. Yeah. Poland, we literally see you. It is just the one person. If you have friends, tell them. I feel like every episode we single out a person and yes. we get creepy. Like yeah. towards Alex, the yeah. author for Heartbreak Incorporated. Like we got yeah. we got creepy towards her. Yeah, and it <laughs> now was we're, hilarious. We're, we're and now we're again. getting creepy towards our Polish listener. Here, hold on. This is gonna be for you, Poland, just for you specifically. What are you about to do? What no, don't get close oh, I thought to your mic. Pull out a tit. Okay. <laughs> That's only if that's only Poland is a part of our Patreon at a high tier. <sighs> Wait, note it. Note it. What are you about to do? Poland, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your support. We're so glad to see you being the first person to download our podcast every single time. We knew we could count on you. We hope to keep seeing you download and download and download again. Come back, stay with us, and hey, tell a friend. We'd love to see more Polish viewers. If oh, there's uh, motherfucking fan fiction of this podcast, I'm gonna quit. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. No. I done. Read. No, let me let me leave. I need you to read that for me, please, and thank you. Good luck. I don't know how to read Polish. I don't know. I just wrote here. Let me see if I hang on. Can you do that word by word? Google, please. Want to be someone using a VPN and they're not even in yeah, Polish. Right. Okay, yeah. It's, sorry. I was gonna I was gonna Google translate you something in Polish, but your language is as beautiful as it is complicated. I'm so sorry. Yes, I have multiple friends learning Polish and I have one friend who can speak Polish. I am not those friends. So unfortunately I, I can't do that. Alright, so now that we I have gotten through some of that nonsense. Oh, so I have some big news. I know it's been mentioned a couple times in this podcast that I, I'm i bisexual, but I hadn't come out to my parents yet. Well, guess what happened on Mother's Day? I came out to my mom. Woo! Yes! And it went better than expected. I still don't know if there was going to be weird fallout for it, but, you know, at least it's not a weight on my shoulders anymore, and I don't have to worry about she's going to find this podcast and be like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Yeah, I've been, I actually came out to my brother this week and, or like last week, a while ago. And so I was like, yeah, I get to go home and read Shrek erotica spoilers for our next episode. Oh. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's gonna be so I, fun. I want you to know, not only does my mom know about this podcast, but she has recommended some books and I'm like, go away. Stop it. No, you nasty. Starshine, get in here. If we do an episode on Outla on Outlander, we'll have she'll, to have her here. She, yeah, she'll guess. 
She loves Outlander, yeah. and I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> she she will guest in our Outlander episode. It is yeah, it's just in stone already. So we'll be like FaceTiming, and she'll be like Jamie Fraser, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Mother. <laughs> Something. Oh, so my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law, they were both interested in listening, but they were also like, do we want to know these things about Korean? And I'm like, well, let me tell you, <laughs> there's nothing necessarily explicitly like, I'm not talking about my sex life at all. Like that's not happening, but you are going to hear me reading. You are the sex. one who yeah. reads. I am the one who reads. So if that bothers you, don't, do not listen to that. Change the way you think of me. And then my mother-in-law, she was like, no, this actually made your writing, rating go up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank you, Corey. <laughs> no one is like hornier on Maine than like women in their 50s and 60s. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, Corey's an artist. Like I knew she wouldn't, you know. My mom's an she... artist too. What's up with the artists? Andy. <laughs> They're horny on Maine. <laughs> Mind your business, David. For our fourth episode, we're covering Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade. Olivia Dade burst onto the scene in this delightfully fun romantic comedy set in the world of fan fiction, in which a devoted fan goes on an unexpected date with her celebrity crush, who's secretly posting fan fiction of his own. Marcus Castor Rupp has a secret. While the world knows him as Ineas, the star of the biggest show on TV, Gods the Gates, he's known to fan fiction readers as Book! Ineas Would Never, an anonymous and popular poster. Marcus is able to get out his own frustrations with his character through his stories, especially the ones that feature the internet's favorite couple to ship, Ineas and Lavinia. But if anyone ever found out about his online persona, he'd be fired. Immediately. April Whittier has secrets of her own. A hardcore Lavinia fan, she's hidden her fanfiction and cosplay hobby from her real life for years, but not anymore. When she decides to post her latest Lavinia creation on Twitter, her photo goes viral. Trolls and supporters alike are commenting on her plus-size take. But when Marcus, one half of her OTP, sees her pick and asks her out on a date to spite her critics, she realizes life is really stranger than fiction. Even though their first date is a disaster, Marcus quickly realizes that he wants much more from April than a one-time publicity stunt. And when he discovers she's actually unapologetic Lavinia Stan, his closest fandom friend, he has one more huge secret to hide from her. With love and Marcus's career on the line, can the two of them stop hiding once and for all, or will a match made in fandom end up prematurely cancelled? Content warnings for spoiler alert are as follows. Misogyny, racism, ableism, fat phobia from other characters and the internet, parental relationship trauma, internalized self-esteem issues for both main characters, and dubious consent due to withheld information. Now, in case you're new to the show, we've all read this book, taken notes, and highlighted some of the spiciest sections. We'll be discussing the story and sexy bits, comparing it to romance and smut fiction, with similar themes, settings, tropes, etc., while enjoying the signature drink of this episode. Today's signature drink is Ambrosia of the Gods. You can find recipes and instructions for the cocktail and mocktail versions of this drink in our Discord and on our social media, WBTYMPod, basically any place you look. Stick around until the very end for a tingling tingler, where we read a segment from National Treasure, Chuck Tingle. Nailed it. Wait, wait, wait. We have to have the first drink of the episode. Been freaking surprised so, me with it. Before I show you my drink, I have to explain myself. Yes. I know we have a specific one, but I thought this would be so funny because this book, I'm not going to delve into yeah. it too far, is very Game of Thrones coded. Yes. Ah! 
Starbucks <laughs> in honor of the Starbucks cup. Yeah. Left on set. Yes. I just thought it would be funny. And I wanted an excuse for Starbucks. So. <laughs> hey, that's fine. We'll still. First, first drink of the episode. Mine's called a pour over dark roast. <laughs> in honor of Caitlin, who served it to me at 5 p.m. My husband made this for me, and I hate coconut. So I'm sitting here smelling it like, mmm. So I'm <laughs> like, I love coconut. Here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope that's on the mic. Ew. Listen, it can't be worse than me just. <sighs> the audio all the time. It's a mouth breather. Yeah, I'm a mouth breather. It's gross. It's not gross. It's funny. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> I'm in a mood, y'all. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Listen, last night, we always leave, like, or we try to leave a cute little message every morning for Coda to wake up to before they go to work. Aww. And last night, I got to write it, and it was Serving Cunt Thursday. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Coda is Andy's adopted son. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking can't hear. <laughs> Never forget to thurf cun on Thursdays. So I have seen online the funniest shit. Like, how do you serve cunt in a godly manner? <laughs> it's just like a picture of the Pope and all this regalia. <laughs> it's so good. Anyway, I'm sorry. Oh. That actually ties into the later. Anyway. It does. It does. It ties into later. We will we will definitely talk about serving cunt later. <laughs> oh, is that the episode title? Serving cunt? <laughs> no, no. The episode title is This Book Would Have Been Better If It Was About Alex. <laughs> no. No. There is an entire second book about Alex. I know. We, sorry, I, yeah. This is my trope for the episode. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We gotta stay on line. We gotta yes. stay on timeline. All right, Whoa. so... <laughs> Now that we're past all the the intro stuff, we know what's going on. We know what book we're talking about. We know what we're drinking. What are your first thoughts on this book, ma'ams? So tired of these goddamn heteros. Stop fucking lying to each other. Just talk about your problems. God. Sorry. Okay. These are some big emotions. Well, let's process them. Okay. Although I will dial back saying we're tired of the heteros. Maybe let's not. <laughs> okay, I'm tired of this specific set of heteros. Okay, okay. But I, That's fair. I will agree. I actually, I really liked this book. I thought it was very cute. But I will agree with Andy. It got to a point where it was like, Jesus, just talk to each other. It, it got so frustrating. And I feel like it dragged on way longer than it should have. Not to... Spoiler anything. It's the name of the book. Oh, thank you for your fake laughter. Us. <laughs> but anyone who can see the video, we're all making like yeah. ridiculous, like we're not laughing faces, but we're, yeah. It's Don't crazy. you make that stink face at me? But, <laughs> but I will. I'll, don't stink it up in the podcast. <laughs> Let's keep the podcast stink free, please. At least for now. I don't like the energy we brought into the studio today. <laughs> the, the energy we brought is stanky. <laughs> Serving stank in a godly way. Okay, anyway. But I, I will 100% agree with Andy. I have not been this frustrated since Dragon Queens. I didn't think it could, you know... I didn't think people could be pigeons more than... <laughs> 
yes, I I'm completely on that boat. I thought we would have resolved the the issue of the things not being talked about, like like here, like halfway. I'm pointing at oh, my book. Yeah, I in my notes, I think it was as early as chapter eight in my notes where it said, "Tell her the truth." From <laughs> yeah. yes. uh, what's that from? Uh, it's from something. Disney something. Oh, Aladdin. It's from Aladdin. Oh, Aladdin. <laughs> yes. Where the genie is like, or, you know, instead of wishing yourself to be a prince, you could tell her the truth. Yeah. As early as page 85, I have just in all capitals, tell her. She told you. Yep. Tell, tell her. And it just, it continues on and on and on. So, what what our main issue here really seems to be is I I really enjoyed like the setup of the story. I love that it's delving into fandom. Yeah. I love that it's dealing with like the toxic aspects of fandom. But then like there was this just cloud hanging over the book the entire time of the fact that while it, it was even said in the summary that while Marcus knows who April is, that they have been friends on the internet for a really long time without knowing who the other was. April doesn't know, April does not know that this man she is dating, Marcus, is her longtime friend, Bon, as it is yeah. abbreviated. B-A-W-N. Yeah. And, like, I thought we would resolve this, like, halfway through the book, maybe, you know, like, and then the rest of the book would continue. But it doesn't. It is literally not until chapter 25 does that come out. And I feel like it overshadowed the entire book for me. Because I was still enjoying it, but I just... Every single time where it could have come up where you could have told her I was sitting there. So it'd be a really great time to tell her. How about now? How about about now? Like you said, I did enjoy this book. And I think it gets more frustrating when you actually enjoy the story. Because this is a very novel concept, I feel. We'll, We'll break things down further. But to give you a little overview. Like it, it has a main character who is very present. She doesn't call herself thick. She unapologetically calls herself fat. You know, she embraces it. It's it's kind of a part of her identity. She does not want to change. And she has dealt with people who have tried to. And it, it, it hits a lot of topics that I feel like are kind of taboo in romance novels. Like when a, when a character, especially a female protagonist, is mentioned, it's always like a waif or a curvy, you know, it's never just fat ever. So I loved that this book had a a main character who was like, yeah, so. (laughs) And And if it is fat, oh, I'm sorry. No, go, go. If, if it is like fat and like, if she is fat and she expresses she's fat, it's a, it's a negative or it's a desire to change that instead yeah. of just, no, I'm fat and I like it. Leave yeah, it alone. this is the first time I've read a book that had a character like that who was also perceived as beautiful from someone. And it was someone who was viewed as more of a, you know, main society viewing of like what male peak performance is, you know, like the ideal Adonis, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right in the book. Um, So it was fascinating. And I feel like there are examples of this in real life that I kind of, once we get into the story a bit more, I want to bring up. There are a lot of celebrities who have long-term marriages, like 20 plus years, who, who aren't in like, 
the camera lights or anything and then you finally see them on a webmd page and people will be so judgmental and be like why are they married to them this person isn't famous they look average why are they i've got feelings y'all yeah this is the first book i've ever read that really tackled that and and it gets so frustrating when you get upset with certain things in a book you love it's yeah. oh yes. <laughs> i wish i could have hated it it would have made it easier because like i know i came on strong genuinely other than like I, okay i'm gonna be very open about this roxy and corinne both know i had a lot of trouble finishing this book whether that's just me being like just a human being that could not make my brain focus on reading this book or what it was or like whatever it was that I, I had a lot of trouble. I was able to finish it about five minutes before the podcast started. <laughs> Don't look at me. Thank you. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. And even the characters, like I, I bitched about, you know these heteros but like i don't dislike them i have definite qualms but i did like the book and i did like that she's very honest and some of the things you can tell that the author grew up as a plus size or a fat girl because some of the things are so poignant and true to my experience growing up as a fat girl i've always been fat and so it's 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 nice but i'm also just like that makes the qualms piss me off even more i think like yeah, that yeah. was a really good time to read the the like beginning like opening of this book, the yep. very first like acknowledgement. Yeah. To everyone who's ever doubted, as I did, someone who looks like you can be desired, someone who looks like you can be loved, someone who looks like you can have a happy ending. I swear it. Yep. That's the message this book is bringing: is that you don't need to change to be loved. You can be fat. You can be fat and healthy. You can be fat and loved. You don't have to fit society's specific standards of beauty. And even if I'm gonna put this out there, looking back at like paintings from like the Renaissance era, like those ladies had curves, they had fat, they had tummies. Beauty standards change. And I feel like culture has started to embrace that a little bit more, but there was this really awful trend that started in the 60s with Twiggy, mm -hmm. uh, where stick thin and gaunt and sallow and sunken eyes became high fashion and then everybody was trying to get that look the problem is for most humans that look is not natural there are some people who are naturally very very thin very very tall very very willowy but most people are achieving that through unhealthy means because most people aren't built that way we all have different bodies as i've said i'm i'm very short and stocky you know like i've could never be tall and willowy. I've, I've never been tall and willowy. It's not an option. I would have to change everything about my body to be tall and willowy. But that's been the beauty standard basically since the 60s, which is wild. That is, that is 80 years. <laughs> and it's finally starting to change, but it is so slow. Side note, personal note, Corinne, I don't think you understand how excited I am to give you a piggyback ride when we get there in June. Oh my god, are you going to give me a yeah, piggyback Yeah, I am. Yes. You're such dorks. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, to talk about, to kind of branch off of you, Corinne, I joke, but legitimately, I'm, I'm from the middle of the country-ish, and my ancestors were all farmers, were all people, like hardworking people. My grandfather was fucking stacked until the day he died. Seriously, because he worked, like, forever. And so we're almost bred to be these workhorses, but now we have nowhere to work. So I'm we... a Gladstone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, like, my brother and I are fucking huge. 
And it's, I... it's, it's just bodies, man. It is. It is just bodies. And as someone who, if I had to describe myself, I am like the moon because I go through phases. I have been skinny. I have been bigger. I have been somewhere in the middle. Both me and my mom were, were like phases of the moon. You know, a few years, one thing, few years, another, whatever. Make sure you're healthy. Take your supplements. Go to your doctor. I have found people in my life who have loved me at every stage, you know, who just... Not to get too poetic, but I am the romance novel bitch. It's like you look up at the moon and you just say, oh, it's beautiful. It's the moon. You don't say, why is it a crescent today? But it's a full moon this day. It just is. And this book is lovely because she is loved as she is. Not who she could be. Not who she was. He does not want to change her. Simply appreciates her. And I really resonated with that. I actually, I have some really good examples that, you know, are getting into the, the sexy bits a little bit, but just so we can get a example here. Stop waggling your eyebrows at me, Andy, no! Read smut to me. Waggle, waggle. Smut me up, Corinne. Oh my gosh. Should I leave? I, yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no! <laughs> I'm kidding. I want, a compil- I want a compilation of all the times you two flirt with each other. <laughs> uh, It'll be three hours be long. Big, oh, yeah, it's going to be a big... We're only like four episodes in. Now it's three hours long. I'm a we flirt with each other a lot. <laughs> there it is. There's my saucy tag. Here we go. We found it. All right. I don't like the way you said, there's my saucy tag. <laughs> there's my saucy tag. <laughs> what a tag. good little bookmark you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bookmark. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Bevan gets to hear this. My viewers at home, uh, Bevan is Corinne's spouse. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think I actually have a better saucy bookmark. Let me find that one. Back scratcher? I have one of those. <laughs> but the scratcher is like, it's like a bear hand, like a claw. Because yeah. I live in the mountains, so everything's bear themed. Yeah, that's sick as fuck. Yeah. This is you should come things. visit. You're just Corinne's, trying to get me to move there. Corinne's going to be here in August. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know it. Completely off topic from the podcast. My family and my in-laws were asking us about going to Florida for Christmas. And I'm like, y'all, it is so fucked down there. I don't even want to look in Florida's direction. I don't want to look at Florida either. Maybe so. maybe we should do a live stream where we read like Florida man smut and raise money for Trans Lifeline. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Can't, just hang on. BRB, I'm going to AO3. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's Florida man's month. Uh, While you do that, I'll, I'll read this. Okay, so this is after their, I believe, third date. She had every intention of bearing him, literally, tonight if possible. Maybe you'd understand. I wouldn't. Boldly, she stepped into him again. If I want you, I'm not letting a few strangers with cameras stop me from having you. Dropping her hand from his chest, she slid it around to his back, slipping a fingertip below the hem of his sweater, teasing the hot bare skin just above his jeans. As he bit off a rough sound, she walked him back, 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 their thighs tangling with each step, until he was pressed against a sturdy-looking wrought iron fence, and she was pressed tight to him. Her heart was thumping hard enough to shake her, and it wasn't due to all, the, all that caffeine. Once she got on tiptoe, she laid her mouth on his jaw. The mirror's tint of stubble abraded her lips, a welcome friction. The tight stretched flesh there tasted like salt on her tongue and vibrated with his low moan. She took that skin between her teeth and lipped. His hips bucked and she gloried in the way he ground against her so fiercely just for one mindless moment. What do you say, Marcus? 
back against that fence where passerbys could see. She slid both hands beneath his sweater and stroked up the satiny line of his spine, then dragged her nails lightly going back down. Should I have you? He didn't answer in words. He didn't need to. It seemed she'd burned all the gentleness out of him, and good riddance. He fisted her hair in one hand and displayed the other wide on the swell of her ass, hauling her tight against him. Her own sweater had ridden up, and those knit leggings didn't blunt the sensation of his thigh nudging between hers, the jut of his cock against her belly. She might have backed him into that fence, but she wasn't in control. Not anymore. Turn about, he mummered against her neck, open mouth hot in her skin, and licked the spot, nipped it. You still have a mark here. Good. Her back hit the fence as he flipped their position. He settled hard between her thighs. She huffed out a labored breath, dizzied, and so fucking turned on she wanted to scratch and claw until he made the ache go away. His teeth and tongue squared a path of fire up her neck, under her own jaw, and then... Oh, his mouth claimed hers like a battle prize, hard and desperate, and she opened to claim without hesitation. Later they could try tender and sweet, but right now she wanted his tongue in her mouth, his teeth on her lower lip, his groan swallowed by her panting breath. She wanted that possessive hold on her ass to squeeze her clothes closer, as the tug of her hair tug turned on her nerve endings incandescent. Here he tasted like sugar instead of salt, like mint, like darkness and heat. And then, I just want to say, we have... This, from his perspective. Real quick, I want you to know Andy keeps sending me smut of the Florida government, and I can't. <laughs> I can't. What my, I can't. A, a big one that I'm very interested in going back and reading is Ron DeSantis fucks your civil rights in the ass again. <laughs> We're definitely going to read that. So this is shortly after, but from his perspective. When she faced front again, her head against his shoulder, he let his hands roam under her sweater. His palms stroked over her rounded belly, upper sides, soft. She was so soft everywhere, full of curves and secret valleys. Her satiny skin was heating under his touch, even before he brushed a thumb along the swell of her breast, right above her bra, her supportive thick cupped underwire bra, too thick for him to feel even a hint of her nipple, and too supportive and stiff to allow him to tug it down in a comfortable way for her. Fine. That could come off later. Her breasts weren't his priority goal right now anyway. He stroked downward again, trailed his fingers just above the waist of her leggings. Thank fuck for stretchy fabric. So I just I just kind of wanted to highlight this book being about a fat woman, being about a plus-size woman, and like having her take initiative in a very saucy scene, and then very closely thereafter having him like reacting and and you know taking charge again but talking about her body in a way that is like he's attracted to her body the way it is the roundness of her the softness of her the valleys and the curves not making it negative in any way i i just thought that was like a really good thing to like shove out there in the very beginning that the sex scenes in this are pretty hot and they are well written and you do it's really great to see a woman who isn't fitting classical beauty standards in these positions, um, getting getting that dick the way she deserves. So, for our listeners, for our viewers, I know we told the synopsis a bit early on, but April is a geologist by day, which is really cool to have a main protagonist in a STEM field. And she is a fan fiction writer at night. And not only is she a fan fiction writer, she is an avid very involved, like creates a community around the show that is very similar to Game of Thrones. One of the members in her community, little does she know, is one of the actors, if not only one of the main actors in the show, a uh, very much Jamie Lannister coded 
attractive man and she doesn't know this. Okay. Later on, she decides that as she is moving to a more accepting area of her lifestyle, she's going to start posting pictures of her cosplays. She does a cosplay from the show and it goes viral. She gets a lot of shit for being a fat woman online. Hard, hard to believe. Wow. <laughs> and someone grounded in reality. Yeah, no way. Nah. No way. So someone tags him on Twitter and is like, you would never date this character because it's the character he's like married to. Like you would never be with a woman who looks like this. He sees it, doesn't realize it's his friend online. Doesn't realize they're both in the fan fiction community and goes, actually, she's very beautiful. Hey, you want to go on a date with me? And she decides to say yes. There's paparazzi. It's a huge thing. They don't know. They already know each other. And then during their stage date, there is chemistry, undeniable chemistry. And then she lets slip because he asks her for a second date because he's like, hot damn, she's actually. Ooh. <laughs> during the first date, when he asks for a second one, she confesses that she writes fan fiction about him. And he goes, if I wanted to read this under what handle? And he finds out it's his friend and he decides to pursue a relationship with her without telling her he already knows her and there is a lot of chemistry it's a beautiful relationship and it's founded on lies and deceit and good sex and just oh i'm so mad i see what the metaphor that i used was it's as if your best friend suddenly became a shapeshifter and hadn't had the time to tell you. And then you were both in a bar and it was dark and you were dancing together and neither of you knew it was the other because the one was, you know, shapeshifted and it was dark so they couldn't tell it was you. And then suddenly the lights come on. The shapeshifted best friend realizes it's you, doesn't tell you who they are, takes you home anyway, you sleep together, and then proceed to have a three-month-long relationship where the best friend doesn't tell you who they are, and then your actual best friend, in their other form, just stops talking to you and disappears off the face of the planet. Which is clearly a problem, and I think, like, phrasing it like that really, like, brings the problem of this book. The fact that it took him at least three months to tell her I, and it wasn't even his choice. I really thought he'd tell her before they had sex together and I was so yes. disappointed. Yes, when he didn't tell her before they had sex, I was so disappointed. That's why dubious consent is a tag here. Like, it is a warning because I had to talk to these two and be like, hey, so this is how I'm feeling. Do you agree? Is it dubious consent? Because she does not know who she is sleeping with. She does not know that this person knows her much better than she knows him. He is hiding the fact that they've been friends for years. It is like the shapeshifter scenario. Like it is, it's dubious because although consent is explicit, consent is completely willing and vigorous, but it is on a ground of lies. It's like a reverse catfish. And I think that that's really where this the story was so hard for me because I thought he would reveal it before they slept together and then he didn't. And then just con he just continued to, it was a lie of omission for so long. I'm going through my notes. So chapter 16, spoiler alert, is where the first time intercourse occurs. <laughs> and here's here are my bullet points. By the way, Notion is kind of goaded. Anyway, I swear to God, this is dubious consent shit. Marcus, you cock. 
hot, but goddamn it, Marcus. Velvet over steel, mofos. Velvet over motherfucking <laughs> steel. Oh, yeah, I have velvet over steel, lol. Yep. I took yeah, a picture nope. of my book. No, just, this is my rant. Listen, no, no, listen, listen, listen. Okay. Roxy had to come back. I came back mid fixing my chair because I heard my trigger phrase. My wow, my so winter soldier. <laughs> you're you're more, you're a secret agent and uh, velvet over steel is your code <laughs> before, word. Before I go back to fixing my chair, I when we did Heartbreak Incorporated, I think is when I first brought this up, where I was like, yeah. if I could talk. To every romance author I've ever read a book from, I would shake them and tell them, stop saying velvet over steel. Stop it. It's nasty. Stop it. I'm so sick of this phrase. Okay. I'm going to go fix my chair. I just, I just had to. I would say even if we had a variation, if you said satin over steel, then you at least get alliteration. And velvet is like weird feeling when you rub against it at like a certain direction. It's only good one direction. Like do satin, it's nice any direction. But also, I will say, Roxy, a point. I'm I'm slowly. I don't know if we're actually doing this or not. But in my brain, Roxy and I are like the two devil, like devil and angel. And I'm like trying to convert (laughs) Roxy over to my side. I will say that I've only I have only heard of people using velvet covered steel to describe a dick in sex scenes like once in fanfic so and I've read a lot of fanfic it is less common in fanfic I would say yeah but fanfic also has copious amounts of mpreg and pegging and don't phrase it like it's a positive don't Maybe it has copious amounts of M preg and pegging. Why is that bad? I are you kink shaming? I'm not kink shaming. I'm kink asking. I have seen (laughs) so much of like Sonic and Pikachu have a baby, and like nothing against the fan fiction community. But if someone were to try and publish a book like that and go through their publisher, I feel like there would at least be someone being like, "Hey." You want you want to do this chamber damper? You wanna you wanna <laughs> publish this under our company? You wanna Sonic I mean, uh, gives birth to uh, twins? That's what we're going with. <laughs> and I just don't, don't I see your face. Listen, I fan fiction see, is moderated by the community, but romance novels are moderated by companies. And what I'm gonna say though, Roxy. Is if you use AO3, the tag system is your friend. It'll tell you every fucking thing that is in that fan fiction. And, that's, and if that's it good, doesn't, that's the good. comments will roast it. I feel like fan fiction is very much the wild west of literature where everyone lives under, like, if the town doesn't like you, you'll go missing one day and no one's going <laughs> to talk about it because they Little did bit. that back in the day. But and, also- you know, that's actually fair. Fun fact, I am related to Jesse James. We have like a certificate and everything. And like people, you just look the other way sometimes. <laughs> we live in a society now though. <laughs> and there's publishing companies so that the Sonic Mpreg doesn't hit your local Barnes and Noble. But if I saw Sonic Mpreg at my local Barnes and Noble, would I buy it? Yes. yes. God damn immediately um, instantly i would be like this made it to print it must be real fucking good 
something that we are not acknowledging that I think is an important important thing. Hey, Roxy, how are you getting to Sonic Pikachu Impreg, fam? You say this like I don't run a Twitch community that sends me the weirdest shit. Okay, but that's that's not fanfiction's fault. Yeah, because if people are picking this to send to you, that's either their fault or your fault. Not to are we fanfiction shame. The victim? We're not victim blaming, but I you can't blame fanfiction for This is gonna be Emperor the last episode. This is gonna be You say that about every episode. Yes. Is every episode going to be lost, Roxy? Roxy. Are, are they going to find these recordings in the desert and then they're going to have to use them to track us down? Next to our bodies. And then, <laughs> next to our bodies, they're going to try and find our killers. Uh, I sure hope not. And we'll be killed because of fan fiction. Uh, oh, fucking that or between someone's thighs. I'm good either way. Anyway. Also, I don't also... Google Impreg if you're listening to the podcast. Yeah. Do, do you know what? Do, but safe search it. Ooh. Mom, yeah. don't. <laughs> okay, my mom is shine. Don't. Yeah, mom, don't. Anybody uh, else can. It except at your own my discretion. Mom. Yeah, yeah. at <laughs> your own discretion, except for Roxy's mom. But uh, do with safe with like uh, safe search on or in incognito. And yes. I do want to say all of this is said in jest. I yeah, I don't hate the fan fiction community. I've no. read a few. I wrote one back in the day. We're not. No, I'm not sharing it with you. Like no, sixteen year old so me. Come on, we'll read it. We've all been there, honey. No, it's, no. That shit, that shit dies. When you turn, like, 18, that shit dies. I'll I'll read you my Sky High fanfiction. Fuck. (laughs) Shit. I never posted any, that's a lie. I think I posted one fanfiction. But I will, I will say, this book is so funny and how it accurately, I feel like, represents fandoms in general, like, on the internet. There are memes, there are conversations included, that happens on like the forums there's fan fictions included and they're so delightful oh they are wonderful i love the fan fiction inclusions i have a couple of them a dick gets knocked over with a water glass sorry to spoil one that (laughs) one's my favorite one Um, one of my favorite ones was literally the manic pixie dream girl one i took a note on that show pixie yeah yeah I'm going to read this one. So on the internet, I am Manic Pixie Girl, taken from the Manic Pixie Girl, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope. And Pixie um, met me through my online community. Yes, yes. And I met Roxy through her online community. So I took my name from the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope, which is a trope where a woman exists basically for the furthering the plot of a man, but she herself is like, uh-huh. endlessly a, yeah. a font of joy and randomness and silliness and like freedom but a husk on the inside like there's nothing else there and so i i took it as a a, a spite upon that you know which is why i took the name i have a lot of the characteristics of a manic pixie's dream girl but i am a real human person <laughs> i am not what yes i am not created to further some man's plot I just have ADD. <laughs> in the DSM, we have instead of ADD, we have manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, I just, yeah. I just have ADD and an infectious personality. Like, Aww. yeah, you know, and it combines to kind of create the manic pixie dream girl in a person. But I'm a real human. But anyway, I'm gonna read this manic pixie dream girl fanfic real quick. Correction: This one wasn't a fanfic. This one was a script. This one was a script for oh, a movie yes. that Marcus did. So it was a script, not a fanfic. One wheel, two reel. Exterior, the mean streets of Portland, midday. 
Ewan looks at the beautiful quirky girl with the bright pink hair sitting beside him, his unicycle propped against the back slats of their bench. Suddenly he realizes she knows everything about him, but he knows nothing about her. Ewan, what's your name? Pixie. Doesn't matter. Ewan, of course it matters. She crinkles her nose adorably and laughs, idly juggling as she speaks. Pixie. It really doesn't. Right now, what I want, what I need, what I think, my goals, and even my name are so much less important than you, Ewan. Your story, your life, your redemption. Near tears, he tries to smile and presses a quick kiss to her mouth. Ewan. I've never felt so understood before now. If someone like you had been in my life earlier, I think... Pixie. What? Ewan. Maybe I wouldn't have gotten mixed up in that unicycling gang to begin with. And now I'm starting to think, maybe, maybe... He takes a shuddering breath. I could switch from one wheel to two. Pixie beams at him. This is the happiest moment of her life. Beautiful. Your cinema magic. And that's that's one of the things I really enjoy about this book, how witty it is. Like, it includes the fan fiction stuff. It includes scripts he turned down or did take as an actor. Like, there's just all sorts of cute things interspersed. And it's a very witty book. Is very, very funny and clever and just fun at, at points, you know, which makes his betrayal even worse. I have two things. First thing, to go off of what you were saying, the best folk band name ever was revealed to me in this book. Yep. As if God himself descended from heaven and spat in my brain. It is my <laughs> Roxy's face. Sorry, sorry. Patreon <laughs> viewers will get to see my disgust face. <laughs> it was so real. Sorry. <sighs> it's, it's my chemical folk mance. That's. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you fucking it's kidding? So me? good. Incredible. I wish I knew a folk a folk band with that name. Like I, I would be their fan. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent towards folk. It depends on that general vibe. But like. I'd listen to My Chemical Folk, Mance. I love folk, so I've got plans. <laughs> I like gothic folk. Folk when it's about, you know, like murdering your husband and burying him in the yes, backyard. Yes, southern gothic. That's what I'm into. Yes. Yeah, southern gothic. Yeah, like that's what I'm into. I um, love that folk. shit. Yeah, it depends. Nothing but, better than a song about a woman poisoning oh. her husband and beating him to someone. <laughs> yep. Shout yeah. out, bro. <laughs> Fried green tomatoes. <laughs> Shout out the chicks and Earl. You yeah. know what song I'm there's talking a, about. There's a lot of Southern women cannibal things out there. Listen, we just don't want yeah. to deal with it. And no one else is going to believe us, so we just handle shit. Because we're boss bitches. I'm not a Southern woman, so I can't speak to this. Well, it's well, up to you. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I just sent you a playlist <laughs> so you can ingratiate yourself. Yes. Oh, I love it. The other thing that bugged me, to go off of Roxy's earlier thing about the Velvet Covered Steel. I'm sorry for saying it. I'm sorry. Can we make this episode called Velvet, Velvet Covered <laughs> Steel? Yes, we can. Please. This can be Velvet Covered Steel. Um, I, I named the episode, so yes. This is Velvet, Velvet Covered, Covered Steel. Steel. God damn it. I, I sent a clip from the show Letter Kenny to Corinne and Roxy, which, by the way, I love that show. It's fucking incredible. Oh, oh it's an amazing it show. Watch good. Letter it's Kenny good. if you haven't. It's so fucking good. But... Every time I read the word cunt, pussy, turgid, turgid, <laughs> or tumescent, I want my neck, my body eats my <laughs> neck. I become just a head and shoulders. I 
it's awful. I hate it. Stop. Just say cock. And <laughs> you know what? I will even accept damp wetness. I hate that one. Or like her. There was a lot of that in Dragon Queen's damp yeah. wetness. And her, her her pleasure cavern or what the fuck ever. Oh, like pleasure. It's better than just being like, I'm going to get you in the cunt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why are you saying it? Like, like oh, I'm going to get to. It's like, See, it's I, like this is really vulgar, but it's like, this is why I'm not a man. Like, the only reason, anything yeah, else, you would have been a man. Uh, here comes the airplane, <laughs> but it's a dick. Bro, if it meant, it would be over. Done. Done. <laughs> You're saying done. that's an, that's a deal breaker? Just yes. here comes the <laughs> Yes. Yes. And I could deal with him doing like a Bane voice in bed. Like I could deal with a lot of shit. But, but I if won't you do hear, that. If you hear comes the airplane, you're digging <laughs> in my mouth, I'm biting it. Is that when they, they get the, the southern woman treatment? They get turned into chili? Yeah. Pigs eat everything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Corinne's our, I just, Corinne is our I producer, was... so it's amazing to like see her react to like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I, I produce this madness. You can apologize or we'll issue like a sad statement in a gray hoodie or something yeah I'll apologize no i'll bite your dick off here comes it here comes oh i can feel that though that's gonna be a goddamn shirt here comes your airplane you're dicking in my mouth i bite it Oh. How do you serve airplane in if, a godly If we way? ever have enough enough viewers for merch, which listeners for merch, I hope we do. That's happening. As well as you're a fucking pigeon. I love the we're gonna say if someone's dumb from now on in every episode, I want us to call them a pigeon. What have you done, Corinne? I said proud of you pigeons for now. It just one of the notes I'm looking at. Fucking people. Yeah, so so story wise, okay, so Back they're to the dating. Story. Yeah, uh, that's my trope. I, I keep us <laughs> yeah. keep us on track and also get us canceled. So yeah, they start dating and they hit some pitfalls. Something I really liked was he innocently, like they almost don't have any further dates because he fucks up. He innocently like invites her to come work out with him in the morning because he thinks, hey, this is what I'm going to be doing. And there's a really good buffet at the hotel. Maybe we could work out and then go get breakfast. That's his reasoning. Because for him, his body is his job. A lot of actors, a lot of models, they surprisingly aren't vain. Their body is just part of their work. So they do have to take care of themselves for like certain roles, which is unfortunate, but a reality. But she, however, takes it as, oh, he wants to change me. And that hit me so hard. The people who are like, oh, you have such a pretty face, if only. Oh, you have such a nice personality, if only. I actually have yeah. a, a quote for this. So oh, yeah. And she actually, <laughs> she gives him a second chance. She uh, does, like, she does. Like, what would be at the buffet? Like, what would you recommend the buffet? And he recommends a really, really healthy meal because, like, that's what he would eat because he has to eat healthy. It's all he's eaten. Yeah, so he, like, recommends oatmeal and eggs, you know. Yeah, and, like, you know, he might have continued and said they have great waffles, but she cuts them off and, you know. But basically, here's a specific quote, kind of, like, what she's thinking when this is happening. 
If people are cruel, make yourself smaller and smaller until you're so inconsequential no one can target you. And this was something that April's mother had told her for years. And that is what she is thinking in this moment. That he is trying to make her smaller. And then something else from her mother. As always, fatness was, was a sin. Most likely mortal rather than venial. This is where she's coming from. A childhood of being raised where her physical body, the body that she gained after puberty, which was, you know, it was a fat body. She was gaining fat. And it she wasn't doing anything different. It's just her natural body was that way. And her mother was very... Her mother. I have so many feelings about her mother. Because I don't know if we want to get into it so much, but, like, her mother... It does traumatize her a lot with trying to keep her thin, trying to make her thin, trying to give her these tips to help her be healthy, in quotation marks. But at the same time, the reason that her mother is doing this is because she briefly gained weight after marrying April's it father. Was, it was after she gave birth. Yeah. Yeah, after she gave birth, she she gained weight. and Which is natural. It is natural to gain weight during that process because your body is trying to heal itself and take care of you. Yeah, like a completely natural process. And then her father stopped bringing his wife to um, functions, functions. stopped bringing to her events, stopped stopped, like having company over up until she got back to what she was before. And so like that's why April's mother is this way because she's trying to protect her daughter in her own way, but she's doing so much more harm than good. And it is like, it was, I don't know, I really like... it, that hurts so much, like, reading those scenes. Like, I just, I don't know, I really felt like that. Like, the mother that means well, but is doing and, so much wrong. And this is the first hint we get at that relationship with her mom. Yeah. Because she, she's in the, the taxi with him. He invites her to that date. And she just is transported back to all these awful memories. And she stops. But... He sees that she posts about it in her safe online community and he realizes what he's done wrong because he has that insider information she doesn't know he's privy to, which is gross. Yes, it saves their relationship, but he shouldn't have had that information or he should have told her like at this point, if he had talked to her, been like, hey, I saw what you posted and I'm so sorry I didn't mean to come off that way. I am Bon. I am your friend and I didn't mean I didn't mean it that way. I'm sorry I didn't tell you as soon as I heard. I was kind of in shock, but come forward right now. You know, it would have completely changed the tone of the book because she would have known a lot of the same things could have happened, but we wouldn't have had this cloud hanging over our head of, uh, for like three fourths of the book. Yes. It it isn't revealed until chapter twenty five out of like twenty eight chapters. There's twenty eight or twenty nine. Yeah, there's 29 plus an epilogue. What were you what were you saying, Andy? I think a lot of the reason I had trouble finishing this book because it was very personal to me growing up. So I'm just going to be very honest and forthcoming. I have always been a fat girl. When I was a child, I asked my mom if I could be in beauty pageants. And she told me no. And she never gave me a reason, but I realized later that she was working off of the mindset of that a lot of parents have that is... I'm going to destroy you now in a gentle way instead of letting the world get a piece of you and hurting you is essentially like that's it sounds kind of dramatic, but essentially that's what it is. Like I'm going to break you now so someone else can't break you later in a worse way. 
Yeah. Um, which is horrible. But my relationship with my mother very much mirrors April's mother's relationship. When I was in the eighth grade, my grandparents saved up money to put me in Weight Watchers. I went to Weight Watchers with my school teachers. That shit, it, it's, it sucks. It sucks, dude. Yeah. And And so having these very real moments with this character, a very, like, honest and similar experiences to me i was just like god damn i i do take issue though because she i know her feelings were hurt but she should have told him why her feelings were hurt and he should have told her that he was bond if everyone was more straightforward this wouldn't have been a problem yeah i i agree i got very frustrated with her and i felt like a bad person for being mad at her before I go on my tangent, did, is there anything else you wanted to say, Andy? I, if I can break in real quick, I just wanted to agree completely that both these characters need to communicate with each other. Because, like, April is constantly not telling Marcus what she needs yeah. or what she wants or what upsets her. And then Marcus is just, like, assuming things because she doesn't tell him, but also he doesn't ask. And it's like this constant, like you're adults, please talk to each other. You're in your 30s and he's like near his 40s, if not in his 40s. Like, why aren't you being adults and talking? Yeah. I just, this this book was very personal to me in that. And if you have similar experiences to me, I would say take your time with this book. Allow yourself to process. Because I'm realizing, I know I started the episode with, I don't know why I didn't like this book because I liked yeah. it. It was a good story. But now I'm like, hey, dumbass. It reminds you of what it was like to grow up with parents like that. Oh, Um, no. (laughs) I will say this book, once you do finish reading it, was healing. I don't want to skip too far ahead in the plot, but issues are resolved with both of their families. From a, I try not to be too therapist-y, you know, even though that is what I am. I don't want to, I want to enjoy and talk about smut. All right. (laughs) But I will say the way they handle boundaries with their parents eventually very good very healing i very much enjoyed it she did a very good job but i did relate very hard to the father only taking the wife and then later the daughter to social functions only if they looked good my father owned a very prominent graphics designing company in atlanta and there were functions where i was very meant to play the role of doting lovely daughter and, you know, it it hurts when you realize your worth and the things you can achieve in this life are tied to how someone thinks you look. Whether it was, because I will warn you, it's it's never just the weight. I, I have gained, I have lost, been there, done that. There will always be something else they're not happy with. There will always be something. These kind of people will say, oh, you look so lovely now. But your hair, oh, you should, You look so great. Your hair looks so nice. Oh, but your posture. Oh, your posture is so good now. But I noticed you using this fork instead of this one. It's it's never enough. I'm going to hit your dad with a bus. Sorry. No, he's, he's gotten that better with old age, I will say. Okay. Uh, he's in his Sorry. 70s now. No, no, no. <laughs> and, and him at the time, go for it. You know, I'll step aside. <laughs> but we had a talk. Like April does with her parents later on. And he realized what he thought he was doing wasn't okay. 
and the way he was raised was not okay. And sometimes we have to have these hard, difficult talks with our parents so relationships can heal and become what they are now. He's still a little shit sometimes. We're both stubborn. You stubborn? No. Okay. All right. (laughs) Our life story. Okay. Our life story if our parents went to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) For our our listeners at home, Andy just held up the book and (laughs) just like took out half of it. (laughs) Yeah. And so... I actually really came from this with the parent trauma from the Marcus perspective. Like I very much understood the April perspective, but as somebody with ADD who was diagnosed really late, I was diagnosed, well, I guess not super late for a woman. Some women are not even diagnosed now in their thirties, but Andy, Andy, I was diagnosed in college after I had a mental breakdown because that's what it takes uh, (laughs) for them to notice. That's what it takes for someone to realize a woman might have ADD. But I was always a really high achiever, but nothing was ever good enough for my parents. If I ever got a B or a C, I, I was grounded for a C once. A C, a completely average grade I was grounded for. My inability to remember things, which is one of the big things I would say, like they would ask me to do something and I would just say like, yeah, yeah, of course I'll do that. And then it's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. Yep. Was, you know, constantly being critiqued. Like, Corinne, you said you would do this. Corinne, why can't you just remember these simple things? Like, we're not asking the world of you. We just want you to do blank, you know, whatever it is. And then I would have coping mechanisms of my own. Like, I started writing on my hands to remember the things I was supposed to do. And then my mom would be like, Corinne, stop writing on your hands. There's notebooks for that. And I'm like, I can lose a notebook. If I lose my hand, I have bigger problems than the thing I've forgotten. You know, like... And now, you know, like, after I got the diagnosis, like, they finally understood. But the fucking wild thing is, my brother has ADD. He was diagnosed as a child. My dad has ADD. We discovered this after my brother was diagnosed. Like, we had a family history of ADD, and they were just completely ignoring all the signs in me. Because I was, I was a rule follower. I was a daydreamer. I wasn't the same type of ADD. Like, I, my body processed it differently. My brain was a little different. Probably inattentive, like was, if yep. I'm right. Yeah, yeah I was inattentive. often diagnosed. God, I'm just being yeah. a therapist today. No, uh, yeah. Don't okay. worry, folks, I've got degrees. But yeah. women are most often yeah. diagnosed as the inattentive type. And because we are raised very much to mask things, because in social settings, we are monitored like hawks. Oh my, we are, yes. we are zeroed in on. We're better at masking and hiding And like you said, coming up with coping mechanisms. And so they think it's more of a moral failing instead of this is a neutral event and I just need a different way to learn. And that is not bad or good. It is just different. There was this wonderful comic I saw that was about how a woman with ADD felt like she was constantly walking through this waist deep water and for everybody else it was ankle deep. And the the water kept getting higher and higher and higher. And everyone else kept saying, this is so easy. Why can't you do it? Why can't you remember this? Why can't you do well at this thing? Why are you so bad at planning? And then finally she got her ADD diagnosis and she learned tools to help her and people recognized it. And then she was walking up a hill and the water was getting less deep. And I was like, yes, (laughs) that diagnosis was monumental for me, but Because of that, like, I really felt for Marcus, who in this book has dyslexia, which my mom actually has. And it's something where his parents just thought he was 
dumb. Like, they were both academics. They just Mm. thought somehow they made a son who was stupid. And they were very, very not happy about that. And they were trying to teach him. They were trying to fix him, in quotation marks. But they just couldn't do it because they didn't understand what was wrong. And it ended up being, he was dyslexic. He just needed to learn differently. And he was a very smart guy. He could memorize all these scripts. He just had trouble reading. And, and I, I loved that they showed that he had that strained relationship as well. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I feel like we give... <sighs> I can't believe I'm saying this. And I, I may get a little hate. But I feel like we view someone as attractive and then think their life is amazing. And I, mm-hmm. I won't lie that their pretty privilege is a thing. Okay. It is most definitely an observed actual thing that occurs. However, just because you're beautiful does not mean that you don't have like a broken life or broken connections or mental health issues. Just because you may be seen as physically perfect does not mean your life is. And I like that they pulled back the curtain and talked about his own struggles with dyslexia and how his parents just treated him awful. Like he was a disappointment I think there's one scene where he overhears his mom being frustrated because she has to homeschool him. And she's talking to his dad and she says something along the lines of, it's fun and easy with my other students. Why is it awful with him? Yeah. Her one child, her one, her, and he's like a kid. He's a little kid. He's not bad. He's just having trouble learning. And he overhears this and... God, pissed me off. I'm upset because I'm realizing I identify with both of the sides of the parental drama in this. Oh, let's go. Because it was very much the same thing in my family. Like, so it's okay. We're going to get in the weeds a little bit. Editor, this is feel the free therapy episode. Some... It's the therapy episode. I fucking episode. guess. I have a lot of parent, like, parental issues. Okay, it's fine. I grew up, obviously I grew up, I'm fucking here. Can I, can we add that You grew up. Of course I grew up. Period. End of statement. (laughs) So, at about the age of 10 to 14, time is hazy. I don't remember exactly, but my brother let it slip to me that my parents used to fight about how my mom favored, who was technically my half-brother, over me. Like, they used to argue like my mom and dad like my dad would say you treat our daughter differently because she's not him and that shit continues to this day and it's very much like there was another line later where it's like i think this is april's perspective but it's their partner like they would love you talking to yeah marcus it's like when your family loves your partner more than you and it's just like I have a lot of parental trauma, you guys. <laughs> but legitimately, like, I I was very fucked over by this book a little bit. Because it's just like, those are very real things. And those are real things I've experienced. And I struggle with to this day. Maybe we should rename the episode to Parental Trauma. How to serve content of parental trauma. <laughs> How to sign your parents uh. up for therapy in a God-honoring way. God. <laughs> this uh, is we'll, why I we'll stick multiple to episode names. We'll we'll need to we'll need to pick one later. Yeah, I have to say, like the way that this book talked about parental trauma, like from a fiction <gasps> novel, I haven't 
read something like this before that was like really delving into the parental trauma, which is why I included like parental trauma as a content warning because the parental trauma here is deep and they do like confront their parents, which is great. And, you know, they're able to get their peace in a sense, but like, it's not a perfect piece. It, it's not, you know, you get to the point where Marcus, like he and his parents are talking still, but it's still strained. And with April, she's only speaking to her mother. And even then, it's only sometimes when her mother follows the rules that have been set. And when she doesn't follow the rules, she hangs up on her, which is setting healthy boundaries. Yes. But it is, you know, like, it wasn't an automatic, oh, I tell you what my problem is and it's fixed. It was, no, this is a pretty real description of what it's like when you have problems with your parents. I mean, like, I currently keep a lot of distance from my parents because of various things but you know a lot of it is the way I was treated growing up you know and limited contact limited contact because they bring so much stress into my life and I as these two were dealing with that I was like oh fuck (laughs) I I feel like we've gotten very lucky with the romance novels we've been reading in that yeah there's smut there's there's some good shit in here all right but they also deal with certain themes that I feel like when you think of a romance novel, you just think of like, you know, your mom on the front porch drinking some wine. There's a picture of Fabio or Tom Selleck on the front, you know. Body surfers, you <laughs> yeah. know. the Tom Selleck, though. My mom loved Tom Selleck. <laughs> I, I can't. love Tom Selleck. And, that <laughs> anyway, mustache anyway. is a national treasure. Anyway. Anyway. I feel like that's the trope of romance novels and they have really evolved and they can cover themes that you're not expecting. They can cover really deep, heavy hitting things and really make you feel emotions other than, oh my. <laughs> oh my goodness. Lordy, my stars Lordy. and Oh, what a bonus ripper. Oh, but... <laughs> Oh dear, to... that's a spicy one. No, Ooh, it's okay. Oh, it's a good one. I want him to slam me against the wall like a screen door in a hurricane. He can put gravy on my biscuits. Anyway. <laughs> well, I wouldn't mind if he put a notch in my bedpost. Anyway. <laughs> I want to but... fuck him. there we go i just had to get it out okay i'm sorry we're back but i I will say i've been very impressed with all the books we've read so far that they're not just smut machines there's actual complex topics and stuff prepare to be disappointed by the next one (laughs) we're not gonna talk about the next one (laughs) i got three pages in and i was like and folks, well, that's the one we're going to have a guest on. So get ready. <laughs> get um, ready. Spoilers. Spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> I hate it here. So, okay. In the story, they decide to pursue a relationship with each other. There's like a little side story of, because it's very Game of Thrones coded. All the actors are very upset with the final season. They they talk about like they had to sign NDAs and they can't disclose anything. And so he basically got into fan fiction as a way to fix his character's story, which I find hilarious. He anonymously joins this community so he can heal <laughs> and rewrite what these producers are doing to his character. So there's there's this little side story of all of them, all the actors having a group chat, all this frustration. His best friend, Alex, who is Andy's one true love. I, I see your reaction as I say his name. Sorry. 
Do you want to talk about Alex? This is the time. Do you no, want to? Do you want to? If I okay, okay. Hear I'll give me you out. five minutes. Okay, go. Okay, so Alex is telling him the whole time to just either break it off with her or be honest, which I fucking appreciate. Yeah. He communicates in a straightforward way. He's funny. He has ADHD, which obviously makes you a hilarious and amazing person. (laughs) Obviously. He also is into chubby girls, which is sick as fuck. We love a non-body shaming king. And it's not like a weird, like... Okay, I'm not here. It's not fetishizing. It's not chubby chasing is what I was always told as a kid. Like you didn't want to end up with one of those chubby chasers. You need to lose weight. That's what I was told as a, anyway, it's a thing. Yeah. Not as a kid. It's like a teen. It's a, okay. We've been over this. I have trauma. Anyway. Reader, (laughs) listeners, we're, Corinne and I are both making faces. We're making faces. And Andy is just like, listen, I wasn't a kid and we're still making the faces. But go on. (laughs) We've established I have trauma. Anyway. He just, I just enjoy One of your best friends is a therapist. <laughs> go on, go on. I just enjoy his character. And I appreciate that he was like very straightforward and was just like, here's the prop. Like he didn't, he wasn't a dick necessarily, but he didn't sugarcoat shit. Like he was still yeah. there for Marcus. Yeah. But like, I am someone that I sugarcoat more than I probably should. And I'm still also more blunt than I should probably be at the same time, like simultaneously. Like a jawbreaker, sweet yeah. and blunt force. <laughs> I, I didn't know that was a thing a human being could do also, but I am happy also. That's going to bug me. I really just appreciated his character and his arc that exists in the book because he actually comes out and he writes pegging fix about his own character. That's yeah. fucking iconic. He sees um, pegging yeah. that was promised. Yeah. <laughs> he sees that Marcus is writing fan fiction, decides to write it as well because he's also upset with his own character. And almost every story is about his character getting pegged yeah. ferociously. If you don't know what pegging is, it's, it's where you when, take it off the bum. Yeah. It's usually when a femme individual puts on a piece of equipment and goes to pound town on a man. Anyway, so... Also, Marcus is a bottom. Anyway. And um, all, all his fanfics have the tag, the peg that was promised. and it's, Yeah, the peg that was promised. And some of them are included in the in the in the book, and some of his fanfics are like scattered across. And there was one that was very very sweet. And at the end, he wrote, "And then she pegged him." Yeah, it's fucking great. I don't know if I just liked his character more because of our similar senses of humor or what, but I I appreciated Alex throughout the whole fucking book. Most of my notes are anytime he's in there, I'm like, Mel and Alex are perfection. Mel is me, and I am Mel. I also loved Mel. That was one of her April's coworkers. There's very good, there's a very good supporting cast in this book. Yes. I, I liked a lot of the characters introduced and the parents were very believable. Yes. Literally, I will stop talking about Alex, but my chapter 19 notes, Alex remains my fave. Get her, Alex. Yeah, Marcus, why haven't you told her? Get him, Alex. Alex, yes. The bottom whisper. <laughs> I want to read about Lauren. Holy shit. Braddy bottom. Those were all Alex related. So, Lauren, Lauren is Alex's handler. The producers have a cousin named Lauren, who is described as being bird-looking. Thin limbs, arms, a bit beaky, a bit more round in the center. Think of like a chickadee, which they're so cute. I, yeah. Chickadees are my favorite bird. I immediately like envisioned her as like a friend of mine. And I was like, oh, I love her. And it was just like, I just envisioned my friend. And I was like, she's wonderful. 
So, so Lauren is hired to be his handler because they think he won't seduce her. They think that there's no way any canoodling will happen. This how is the could second... he ever love a beast? I actually have the, 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 the very sweet pegging fic, if you would like me to read it. <sighs> I interrupted Roxy. Sorry, let her get her point out and then I'll... Yes, I'll... yes. I really want to make my point super long so you don't read the pegging, but then the fact that I said long point is like a pegging <laughs> joke setup. You're a pegging joke setup. You're a fucking pegging joke. Anyway! <laughs> is the title now pegging joke setup? <laughs> Listen, we got a lot of options for titles. Parental pegging trauma, no. <laughs> okay. Roxy, you have four minutes and then I'm calling a break for you to get up and move okay, around okay. immediately. So, so Lauren is basically Alex's handler because he's the more, as Andy said, he's more blunt. He's more honest. He's not going to hide how he feels out in public and he gets into fights and all sorts of things. So they're very much the trope of forced proximity. Yes. I feel like we can go ahead and spoil this because their story isn't like the main thing. Yeah, um, yeah. The second book is all about their relationship because he does come to have like feelings for her and it's very sweet. But yes, so there's very good supporting cast and Alex is Bay and Corinne, go ahead and read his stupid pegging fan fiction. I will. Rating. Explicit. Fandom. Gods of the Gates by E. Wade. Gods oh, of the Gates Gods of the Gates is the TV show. Yes, yes is the TV that show. In. Yeah. Relationships. Cupid slash original character. Additional tags. Alternate universe slash modern. Porn without plot. Smutty, smuddly smut smut. Half human disaster Cupid. Bottoms up. The peg that was promised. Actor exclamation point Cupid. And for those who don't know the exclamation point, it is a, a fandom tagging system that it has been used since the early days of fan fiction, where the exclamation point is to signify a specific like fandom trope of that character that isn't necessarily true to the fandom. So like in this case, actor Cupid. Cupid is a character in the book, but actor Cupid is a common trope. Actor exclamation point Cupid. Stats. Words. 3,207. Chapters, 1. Comments, 137. Kudos, 429. Bookmarks, 40. And by the way, this shows up exactly like an AO3 would, which yep. is fantastic. I love it. Every fan fiction in here looks exactly as it would on AO3. This is called Taking Him Down a Peg by Cupid Unleashed. Summary, Cupid has had a hard day on set. Offset, things get equally hard. By things, I mean his penis. Notes. Thank you to Aeneas Loves Lavinia for the beta. You're the best dude. Also, any resemblance to c current worldwide television hits is entirely unintentional. No, wait. The opposite of that last one. Robin's hands on his bare chest were small but hot and so very soft. What happened today? You seem tense. She was straddling him now, her solid, welcome weight keeping him in place. Maybe he could move if he tried, but he didn't. No. He wanted that sense of helplessness right now, that sense of safety. More than that, he wanted to forget, to drown in pleasure until he couldn't think. The usual, he sighed. As I've said before, the showrunners were incompetent from the very beginning. The only things that saved them were the talented crew, my fellow actors, and the books. But now that we're past the books, everything's gone wrong. She was frowning down at him, concentrated, concerned. How can I help? Take me, he said. And she got up on her knees and began to move over him, only to halt at his next words. No, take me. She bit her lip, even as her cheeks bloomed with heat. Are you sure? You bet your ass I'm sure, he grinned up at her. Or, more accurately, my ass. When they laughed together, he was certain of two things. First, she was going to peg his brains out that night. Second, 
By the time she was done, he would no longer care that his character arc had been torpedoed in the final season for no damn reason. Want more wham, bam, thank you, ma'am? Can't get enough of our sexy voices and even sexier brains? Join our Patreon at the flirt level for only $3 to gain access to ad-free episodes, monthly book polls, and the patrons-only portion of our Discord. Looking for something more? Our one-night stands at $5 also get episodes one week early and access to our personal reading notes from each episode. We have so much to show you. All we need is a little commitment. Interested? Check out our socials, WBTYMPod, basically anywhere people congregate. Each one will link our Patreon. Can't wait to see you there. Let's talk about the ending. Roxy, do you want to go first? So, boy, have we covered when the secret comes out? I did say it was chapter 25. I didn't say what happened before that. So... For a bit, they have a good relationship. It is very sweet, nice to see. He, of course, like, has to eat certain things for his work, but he doesn't stop her from eating the things she loves. Like, they cook. It's it's kind of sweet that they cook, like, separate meals, but, like, eat together. They, like, go on dates. He has something to say regarding this? Oh. I'm so sorry. I forgot I was going to mention this earlier, but I just want to say that we are by no means advocating and saying that the way that Marcus views his body is healthy. I was very like, oh, my God, dude, are you good? Like, when he would talk about his body. Yeah, he very much uh, used his body as a tool, which was something that we covered a lot in Heartbreak Incorporated, was viewing your body as not as something yourself, as just something you use. Which in Heartbreak Incorporated, that was really tackled. I don't feel like that was super tackled with Marcus here. Like, it was just kind of left The way it is. Yeah, left the way it was. It it reminds me of, there's this one actor christian bale who Mm -hmm. is one of the extreme Mm -hmm. examples of a career actor in hollywood who often transforms his body i think it was called the machinist the machinist i machinist Machinist, um, yeah i've only ever read it online (laughs) but i remember reading an article about how he became skin and bones for that role how he put on a lot of weight and muscle for batman and just like how he treats his body for his roles in Hollywood. We, as Andy said, we're not condoning it. It is just, unfortunately, a reality in the acting culture. And so he does eat a certain way and take care of himself a certain way for his work. Not that there's anything wrong with you if you care about fitness, where we're not shaming you for that. There's nothing wrong with it. It's when you stop viewing your body as your own and you lose that agency of it and you give it over to an industry. I don't want to shame skinny people. I don't want to shame fat people. You are valid in how you exist and your existence is neutral. We are condemning the fact that he almost dissociates from his own self. So yes, as Andy said. And I do want to touch on that for just a moment i'm actually somebody who i do kind of dissociate from my body a bit because of i had a lot of trauma at a very young age medical trauma i had 
my body decide to do things that I wasn't expecting it to. I had scoliosis that started at puberty. And so suddenly when everybody's body was changing, mine was really changing. My spine was curving and I had to get surgery at the age of 13. And I had like basically a lot of things done to my body that I wouldn't have wanted to do. And my body was doing things that I didn't want it to do. And so because of that, I have a certain disconnect from my body that like a lot of people in my, you know, just like cisgender women don't have because it is like my body's agency was taken away from me at a young age. And so like I can relate to Marcus in that aspect, like seeing your body as something other than yourself. However, it's not healthy. It's not something that I'm like, yeah, it's more of like, a no, I know I have this problem. And I usually deal with it through tabletop RPGs. Yeah. <laughs> we could we could go all into the psychology of Marcus yeah. and that he felt he couldn't control his mind. And he lost his agency over his dyslexia. So he went, you know, head first into the more physical side of things. Yeah. But but that's that's a whole other discussion. Read the book. It's it's actually very good in how it delves into that. Yeah. So we're here for the yeah, sexy bits. The relationship is actually really good, sweet, healthy. Thus, there's this one sexy that I was very impressed with. You want me to read it? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, it's the one where she's on top. Yeah. Uh, do you have a book chapter? No, it might be in my notes somewhere, but uh. while you look for it, I feel like there's a stigma against heavier women getting on top. So for their first sexual, like, PIV, <laughs> for oh, that to be I, her on top, I, I, I was impressed. It. Don't, don't, just read, just read the paragraph of her on top. We've had complaints and by complaints, I mean, one of our friends has been like, this is weird. And we're like, okay, <laughs> About I'm Corinne going to read smut. I'm sorry. I will say it is worth the, the Patreon to watch the Zoom recordings because Andy and I's faces while Corinne reads smut is so funny to watch back. <laughs> This one, she's on her back, so that's not the right one. I no, it it's right the one where that. she's on top. Uh, they they do a lot. They uh, do a lot. Not as much as no. dragon queens, though. I didn't realize that was the that was not the standard dragon for the amount of sex because I normally read, dragon like, queens was generous in its descriptions. It's still one of my favorites. <laughs> Ooh, Kathleen. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Kathleen I have Plume. earthquake I, smut. I'm sorry. Uh, one second. Earthquake smut. But but yeah, the sex scenes I feel are handled very well. I just wish that he told her, you know, yeah, the truth. Yeah, it's like that scene in Aladdin. Tell her the truth. Just tell <laughs> her the truth. Please. That's the that's the episode name. We are. <laughs> tell her the truth. <laughs> we will be yeah. genie. God rest Robin yeah. Williams' soul. Is it right here? They move from like the kitchen doing handsy stuff, and then yeah. She oh yeah, I I think I I think I covered steel. Velvet covered steel. If it, if it's in velvet covered steel, I have not noted. Is that where it is? I don't know. I see velvet covered steel, and my eyes roll. Oh back yes, here I found it. I found I can't it. Read anymore. I got it. I got it. Okay. Oh no. <laughs> They're in the kitchen. The next it's the next chapter yep they go to the bedroom all right here we go 
Ah, sorry, this is a little bit hard to find. He was golden in the filtered sunshine, strong and lithe, and honed, leashed energy vibrating in every movement. When he hunkered down lower and slid his hands slowly up her thighs, over every dimple and swell, his longer strands of hair in front swung down, shielding his eyes from her. They couldn't have made eye contact anyway, though. He was watching the path of his splayed fingers, or rather, her flesh, as it prickled and burned beneath his deliberate caress. To her disappointment, he didn't veer inward towards the juncture of her thighs, but kept moving up, 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 past her hips, over the mound of her belly, and the silvery pink stretch marks there upper ribs until he nudged the sides of her heavy breasts, but he didn't linger there either, instead finding and following the lines of her collarbones with his thumbs and trailing his knuckles lightly down the length of her arms. He sat back on his heels between her legs, her exploring hands he nudged aside with a murmur of apology, something about how long it had been and how little restraint he had left. His own hand swept upward until he was cupping her breasts for the first time. They spilled out of his gentle hold, too big for containment, and he gave a little pleased-sounding hum. So soft. It was a mummer, as if to himself. With his thumbs, he was circling her areola, watching the smooth skin furl in response. Then the pads of those thumbs were feathery on her nipples, brushing back and forth as her legs involuntarily parted further. The part where she's on top when she crawls upon that velvet covered steel. I swear to God, ban. Okay, here we go, here we go. Banned. You can't ban, ban me? I'm a, I'm a man. <laughs> you can't wham ban me. Wham-bam, thank you, ma'am. His mouth was gone. He was scrambling off the bed, reaching for his jeans, and she lay there and trembled in near orgasm and scowled at him with the full force of her displeasure. His hands were unsteady, too, as he smoothed the condom over his cock, and he winced apologetically as he caught her eye. Wasn't sure I could last long enough inside you for a third orgasm, and I wanted to feel you come around my dick. <laughs> that was reasonable enough, she supposed, and she stopped glaring. Do you want on top, or... He flopped down on the mattress, his face flushed and eager and oddly young. I'd love to have you ride me, if that's good for you, so I can watch you above me. Ride me! Sorry. Ride me! <laughs> All right, Toss me! Ride me! Her own face wandered back, and the pleasure wasn't entirely sexual. She straddled his lean hips, and because she was apparently a vindictive bitch when sexually frustrated, she took her time about positioning him and sinking down on his cock. She lowered herself slowly, swallowing him inch by inch, eyes locked to his, hands braced on his thighs behind her as he stretched her wide. April, he protested, but he had no right to complain, and he knew it. She was so slick and ready, the penetration was nothing but pleasure for her. And she clenched around his thickness within her and smiled with her own brand of smugness as she slid down, down, down on him. By the time she was done, by the time she had his cock hot and hard and holy within her, he was panting and hitching his hips against her weight, his blue-gray eyes dazed and frantic. But in that position, with her size, she had the power now. Leaning forward, she tucked her hair behind her ears and petted his dampened chest. Everything okay? Shit, she had to grind against him just a little because she was still so very close, and her eyes went half-lidded with a jolt of sensation. If I do something you don't like... Yes, yes, his smile was tight, pain, but genuine. I'll let you know. She forced herself to still. I'm taunting you, obviously. He huffed out a little laugh. Obviously. So... Horny <laughs> pigeons! So, I will say, this is the first time they have sex. And he asks if she can get on top. And I, I feel like this was a deliberate choice by the author. I maybe looking too 
too deep into it, but you know, there's no too deep in this book. Um, <laughs> hey, yo. Hey, yo. But there is very much a stigma against a heavier woman getting on top. And <laughs> I don't know if I should say this. Most, most like it. Don't, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't, don't be afraid to, you know, ride the Pony Express, kids. Don't, don't get in your own head. <laughs> if you're ever worried about it, there was a TikTok trend that's like, glory, glory, what a hell of a way to yeah. die. Talking about having it's most your of it, most of it's in your head. Show. And enjoy your life, you know? Well, <laughs> and get I wanted to say, it, but... the, the reason why I was a little bit ahead, because I knew that the stretch marks parts was there. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, talking about his hands skimming over her stretch marks. Like, that is such a real moment. Most women have stretch marks, but how often... It doesn't matter often... what size. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter what size you are. You could just go through puberty really fast as yeah. a preteen and get them that way. Like. And, yep. For me, like, I lost and gained weight rapidly after my back surgeries because, like, I, you know, it's a big trauma on your body. And so, like, mm -hmm. I've had stretch marks basically my entire life, like, since I was, you know, 13 onwards. So it's something where, like, I read, like, this is the first time I've read about stretch marks in a book, like a novel. And I'm like, it's there. Hey. And, and even, like, so many women, like, whether you choose to have birth or not, women who give birth are gonna have stretch marks. No matter how much freaking cocoa butter you rub on there, no matter what exercises you do, you're gonna at least get one or two. Like stretch marks are such a normal part of existence because your skin changes to fit your body. Yep. Ellen, I believe me, I tried the cocoa butter. There was a period where I was trying so hard to get rid of them and I smelled like cocoa butter all the time and I eventually gave up. It's like trying to get rid of having lungs it's like trying to get rid of having just an integral part of the mm -hmm. human experience it does not have a morality to it it is a neutral thing that you should not be ashamed of it is just something that exists and the fact that he isn't afraid of them and she isn't afraid to show them it just one of your <laughs> <laughs> face is giving me life i want to turn this into a gif <laughs> editor's note Turn Andy's reaction into a gift. But like, it is honestly one of the most, even though there is this great lie between them, if that hadn't existed, I would say that's one of the best sex scenes I've ever read in a novel because it felt real. It felt human. It felt genuine. And, and it, they yeah. laugh together. They yeah. put a condom on. I was like... There's laughter in sex. There's putting on a condom. And yes. like after sex, they both do the waddle to the bathroom. Yeah. So you don't, don't get a UTI. Piss after you do it, kids. Piss after you do It's so important. Even if you don't want to get body. up, you should and go to the bathroom. And if you're not with a yeah. partner who makes you comfortable enough to laugh during these moments, you need to, not to be too much of a therapist again, you need to reevaluate this connection. Run, bitch. I'll <laughs> that's, say that's it. Because she can't professionally. professionally. Thank you for translating my therapist speak. <laughs> yep. Because we run, in, bitch. In our, in our sessions with clients, we can't just be like, you need to run. We have to we have to say, well, I really want <laughs> yeah. you to reevaluate this connection. Which is therapist uh -huh. speak for what are I you doing, Susan? Leave him. <laughs> God, yeah. Susan. 
Yeah, like, this was a very good example of, like, a real sex. Like, this is what sex is like for the most part. There was this massive fucking lie between them that I wish wasn't there, because otherwise this would have been, like, an amazing example of, like, good sex in a book. It's still good. It's just, you know, it's also dubious consent, because she doesn't know who he is. And not not really who he is. Not really who he is. He doesn't... She keeps saying throughout the book that... It feels like she's known him for so long. It's like she's known him for years, you know. And it's like every time she said that I wanted to shake both of them. I wanted to shake him mostly. She had no way to know. Like, just wanted to shake him and be like, tell her. And I think we come to the point where he does tell her, Roxy. Yeah. Yeah. So sex happens. Great connection. And then, oh, Andy, did you want to say something? Sorry, before you go, first of all, I don't know anyone that actually likes a liar revealed plot, like strung out like that. Number two, if you're gonna lie about something, he's really bad. He's not. He's really bad, and it pissed me off because I'm like, you've committed to lying for the rest of your life with this woman, and yet you can't keep it on lock, bro. Anyway, Roxy, go ahead. Yeah, don't lie to your partner. So things are going really good in their relationship. Good sex, good food, fun. Like they get to know each other's friends. It's really heartwarming he he kind of moves in with her like they they easily flow into life together which is beautiful (laughs) and then her mom's birthday comes up and she she usually ignores her mom because she does not want to deal with that confrontation but she can't avoid a birthday or a holiday and i know a lot of people who go limited contact holidays are hard because you you know that's the time usually that you do have to see them. So yep. she she prepares him ahead of time. I mentioned earlier how I get frustrated with her and I feel kind of bad. Like I'm a bad person because she's she's a very good character. But like she assumes a lot and she doesn't convey what she actually needs to people. And then she gets upset when she doesn't get it. And I feel like she also I'm going to say this very gently because I don't want someone to think a therapist thinks little of you. But your triggers are your responsibility. It is a hard truth. And I know a lot of people, it kind of ruffles them the wrong way. But you cannot expect everyone to know your triggers. You have to communicate them. You have to have healthy boundaries. You cannot just hide things from people. And she hides them from him. She hides her experiences, her triggers, she doesn't explain things. She just cuts him off without warning several times in the book. He does something and he doesn't realize what he's done wrong. And I would almost argue that it's a tad, she's not an abuser, but it is a bit emotionally manipulative to just suddenly cut someone off without explaining, this is how you hurt me. I want you all to know your triggers are valid. They, They exist for a reason. What you went through actually did but you have to communicate it with your loved ones because they won't know they're going to step on a bomb if you don't tell them that there's a minefield. I will just say, just quickly, sorry. I'm someone that's very much like, I I hope that my message comes through in the silence and I've had to actively be like, no, that is not fair to the people in your life. You need to tell them. You can be upset for a minute, but you need to tell them. You can't like hold it over their heads. You either need to let it go and be a big girl or you need to tell them. Those are your choices. Because realistically, it's not fair. And I recognize that as someone very similar to April in that I do that shit. It's a real thing that happens. 
it's not good. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't so, do it. So, okay, sorry. Yeah, that's a very good message. Thank you, Andy. They go to the house. He doesn't know how to act. He just thinks that, oh, she hates her dad. I'll distract him so she doesn't have to deal with him and she can just hang out with her mom. When in reality, she wants him to be there so she doesn't have to talk to her mom alone. And she ends up being alone with her mother and she resents him for it, which I don't think is fair. But her and her mom have a talk. And the mom, I don't think the mom is a bad person. I think the mom has unhealed trauma that she turns into generational trauma and forces onto her daughter because she says things like, oh, maybe substitute this for this. Maybe have a little bit less. Drink a lot of water. All the yeah. little dieting tips I feel like a lot of millennials grew up in the 90s or 80s with the heroin chic yeah. fashion style at the time. I remember Slim Fast being a big deal to my mom. I remember things like healthy choice. I remember things like drinking lots of water. Are you sure you're hungry? Drink some water. You may just be thirsty and that'll make you full. All sorts of little things. Her mom unleashes on her because they're finally alone. Uh, and she even says things like, are you sure he's dating you for real? And it's not a publicity stunt. So she pulls her mom aside. It just, it goes back to that cycle of, I'm going to break you in a gentle way. So the outside world can't break yeah. you in a mean way. It's yeah. still breaking you, yeah. which is not okay. And so, and she, she is good natured. She does love her mother. And as April says, the fact that her mom loves her makes it hurt more. Because she knows it's not coming from a bad place. It is coming from a traumatized place. Because as stated earlier, April's mom realized that there was a weight limit to her husband loving her. There was a line where he would stop taking her places and stop being her partner. And she passes this on to April. So April puts her mom to the side. They talk in the bedroom and she says, I'm going no contact with dad. I want to go limited contact with you until you can learn to talk to me about something other than my appearance. She does a very good job of laying things out. And her mother cries, which the tears may be genuine. However, crying instead of listening and saying, how could you do this to me is a manipulative tactic. Very crocodile tears, white woman tears, you know. I actually have some good quotes yeah. from yeah, yeah. this section. So this is April speaking. How our relationship will look after today is up to you. Acid was climbing April's throat. Bile. Not just because I won't see you when he's present, but because things need to change between us, even without his involvement. Joanne was openly crying now, her knees collapsing beneath her as she sank onto the edge of the bed. Her spine bent as she huddled in on herself, and at one time, April would have cut out her own heart to prevent her mother from looking like this. In some way, she had. That ended now, even if she felt monstrous and unclean. I don't want to talk about my body with you ever again. No matter how her voice shook, she had to make her boundaries clear, absolute and unmistakable, so their violation couldn't be mistaken for confusion. I won't discuss what I eat or don't eat. I won't discuss how I exercise or don't exercise. I won't discuss how I look or don't look. I won't discuss test results or medication. My weight, my health, and my clothing are off limits. I know you worry about me. I know you want to help, but that doesn't change what I'm telling you. Salt was stinging her eyes, blurring her vision, and she slapped away the tears and kept standing, kept talking. Please, believe me, the next time you bring up my body, I will end our conversation. I will walk out the door or hang up the phone. The next time you send me links to articles about weight loss or exercise, I will block your messages. 
If that's not enough, if you can't stop, I'll cut off all contact with you. Despite her mother's gasp, despite her own crying, April maintained eye contact as best she could. Because you hurt me, Mom. You're hurting me. You love me, but you're still hurting me. When I talk to you, when I see you, I end up half convinced that who I am, what I am, is wrong and abhorrent and needs to be fixed. Still, her mother needed to realize. But that's how you make me feel. And it's a very good, candid conversation and a very good template for those who have to almost gentle parent their parents. It's, it's a very good example of that. And I love how the author navigates this. You can tell it's from a place of experience. And so this goes on. They, they leave the house. She's upset. He doesn't understand what's happening. They have a conversation in the car. And he is trying to understand. And he mentions something that she has only told her online friend. And she kind of stops crying, looks over at him, and says, how did you know that? Lie is found out. Yeah. And, of course, they break up. Because how in the world can you instantly be okay with someone who has lied about their identity to you? Especially after having sex and being vulnerable and having that connection. And this was his reasoning. I was scared. I love you and I was terrified you'd leave me. At long last, he was letting her see him without any barriers, any artifice, any deception between them. And it was too late. Too goddamn late. The voice wasn't angry or disdainful anymore, but still thick, still despairing. For months, you've known much more about me than I realized, and you kept that information from me. It's a horrible violation of trust. You realize that, right? It was disorienting. Sickening. She sniffed back more tears. You are my best friend, and you just left. With no good explanation, only some dumb excuse that was obviously untrue. You lied to me as Marcus, but you lied to me as Bond, too. You abandoned me. You hurt me lied, violated my trust because you were scared. I'm so sorry. He sounded agonized, helpless in the face of her despair. Your public persona, fretfully, she rubbed her forehead. You said you've wanted to drop it for years, but you haven't. For the same reason, I assume, because it's too hard and you could lose everything and you're scared. Too scared to pick your next role because you'd have to decide which version of you would show up on set. The statement didn't require an answer, and he didn't give her one. Instead, after a deep breath, he squared his shoulders. Can you forgive me? When she continued staring at the ceiling, silent, he spoke again. You don't owe it to me. I know that. My love doesn't buy me absolution, and I didn't say it to sway you. I said it because you should know. No matter what happens between us now, you should know that you're loved, even if you don't forgive me. No, she finally said. I can't forgive you. Which yeah. is so and fair. And that's actually been a very big point in this book, is that forgiveness is earned. It isn't just an accepted part of you said you're sorry, you get forgiven. It is very much that... Even if you say you're sorry, even if you do everything you think should make it so that you're forgiven, it's up to that person ultimately if you are forgiven. You don't get to decide when you're forgiven. And I think that is something that this book covers very well. I just wish it didn't fumble at the end, which I think it really does personally. Speaking of the end, would you like me to continue? Yes, yeah! So we get to the point where they're broken up and she has agreed and made these commitments. She's done a cosplay She's in all this junk that she's going to go to this convention for the show. Of course, he's going to be there as one of the main cast. And so he does a 
interview on the convention stage. And they're kind of like, they see each other, but they're not necessarily like interacting. He does an interview and someone asks him about April. Well, first they ask him about how he feels about his character arc or something. Something that he refers to himself as a golden retriever throughout the book. Back before he was with April, he would have, you know, given a, well, my workout routine kind of answer, kind of a bullshit, you know, make it about his body and not about him kind of answer. And he decided to buck his persona, I guess, of the golden retriever. And he gave a legitimate answer in that. He kind of goes through his whole character. He doesn't go through his whole character arc. He goes through the completion of his character arc in one chapter, which I think is what pisses us off. Like, if this had all happened over time, I would have been like, perfect, yes, this is character growth that takes time. But, like, it happens in one chapter. Yeah. It's like he's changing just for her instead of... For what's better for himself. Yeah. Which it is better for himself. But, like, it took her dumping him for him to realize oh shit i need to be a real human yeah well it kind of starts to feel like a tally like oh i need to do this this, and this so she'll realize i'm a human but also i understand i think it was coming from a place of well he she made him realize it was going to be okay to be himself which fair play i just kind of wish it hadn't have been all on one weekend because you don't even know Okay, this is me being a mistrustful bitch, but you don't know that that's going to stick. You don't know that that's going to stay. I mean, arguably, it could it would stay a little because it's his career. It's a public performance. Like, it's a thing. But, I mean, you don't know realistically. Unless you ask April why he does what he does. So, mm, I would kind of be like... Was that a tactic, sir? Was that... Like, I would question that. She doesn't, which, fair. Trust people if you want to trust people. I am not a trustful person. It's fine. And then a fan asks him a question about her. And he's essentially like, no, it wasn't a publicity stunt. He genuinely loves her and cares about her and, like, wants to be around her. And she's going on stage. She avoided him. And she's going to do her interview with one of the other castmates, cast members, whatever. And they come up to her and end up kind of telling her, like, hey, he said all these things about you. And she kind of, at that point, she's t- she has described her emotional state as tired in regards to their relationship. So it's it's less that she's, like, I almost feel like she views it as an inevitability that they will collide yeah. again, which... Eh, eh. it was just this i the here's to sum up all i think of all of our issues and don't let me speak for you but this is i think what it is if we could have spent five less chapters on the liar revealed subplot and five of those chapters on them developing their relationship over the years yeah that would i would agree for me the liar revealed plot is just tortuous I'm so tired. It's so drawn out. And the fact that, like, it takes until chapter 25 when there's only, like, 28 chapters, 29 chapters and an epilogue for it to be revealed. And then, like, they're broken up for, like, a week. That's it. And then they get back together. And she compares her not telling him about her ex-boyfriends and how they treated her with him not telling her that he literally was her best friend for years and didn't tell her that they were the same person. And I'm like... 
That's not the same thing, dear. That is not the same thing. Yeah, and something we kind of hinted at but didn't bring up. He not only lied about not being both of these people, his online persona gave her an excuse of like, oh, I won't be able to meet up with you. I have a job that I'm about to go to another country. No internet. And just ghosted her. When they had had, they had been online best friends for years. Yeah, they had been friends for years. And he just decides to ditch that account so he can be with her IRL. But she was grieving that friendship and didn't realize he was fucking her mentally and physically the whole damn time. And I I feel like that's an extra thing that we forgot that adds salt to the wound. That he he just left her. Which I can almost understand just to devil's advocate. And I hate when people play devil's advocate, but just to devil's advocate. I can understand that he didn't want to continue yeah. that manipulation. Yeah. Or like yeah, he perceived he manipulation. Like that's so much hurt. Could have come. She didn't need, you know. He could have told her. <laughs> he could have just fucking yeah. told and her. To yeah. her the, the, the entire reason he wasn't telling her, or so he says mentally in his own head, is that he can't trust her not to leak scripts and information and the fact that he has been writing online as this persona. Because the entire time, they keep getting threats from the showrunners that somebody is leaking information and, like, they will get sued and lose their job and so on and so forth. And so, like, that's the reasoning. But, like, he has known this woman for years. There should literally be almost zero doubt that she wouldn't keep his secrets. And then even, like, a month in, he should know she would keep his secrets. And like he tested her. He yeah. tested her with little things to see if she wouldn't lie. And yeah. then he, or if she wouldn't, like, leak things, you know, making sure she was a truthful person. Yeah. And he still didn't tell her the truth. <laughs> yeah. And what pisses me off to bring us back around to the ending. I have a pit in my hand now, Patreon viewers. You're welcome. Teacher's hand is coming out. What what pisses me off is what brings her around to being like, oh, okay, is he trusts her with Alex's yes. secrets. Oh my god, he yeah! doesn't trust her with his secrets. It's, well, Alex is, might get sued. Because long story long... He outs himself as writing fanfic, and it's a whole thing. He gets accused of leaking stuff, like, and he yeah, Alex, spo- like, Alex he breaks gets the DA, found essentially. out. He goes nuclear. Oh yeah, and we him love going it. nuclear was ama- like the only good part of the ending, in my opinion. <laughs> so yeah. basically, Alex uh, that finds out costume. that his handler Lauren has been talked poorly by the producers. Like they call her just awful things, so- and CC her on it. Yeah, they CC'd her Mm -hmm. so she would see what they said about her appearance. So during an interview, during the panel, he decides to go nuclear and reveal that he has been writing his character's fan fiction. He says the handle. He says that there's lots of pegging in it. He commits absolute career suicide out of spite. And it's just glorious. It is wonderful. Um, The second book, to spoiler alert, does cover Alex and Lauren's relationship. And I feel like we're going to have to, I I need to know we're going to have to come back. Well, Um, and it feels like that Marcus should have been the one to commit career suicide. Like instead Alex throws himself on the fire for Lauren when it feels like this entire book was leading to Marcus doing that, you know, like 
in that ultimate display of I've been lying to you, but I'm I'm ready to be my real self and ready to reveal who I really am and to stop playing this game, you know? And instead it's Alex who does that. Like it it makes the entire thing feel like, why are we forgiving Marcus? You know, like I don't feel like he's earned yeah. it. He didn't Yeah. It, it was like they were broken up a week. <laughs> but I will say if it had been dragged on further, I feel like this would have been touching. And if they'd had yeah. more time to heal yeah. and maybe a chapter in between. It's just yeah. a process. Yeah. But of course, a grand gesture happens and they get back together and they, they live happily ever after. And I guess. I guess, um, yeah. It's it's just such a letdown of an ending, in, in my opinion, because, like, there was so much yeah. good about this book, but then, like, the liar revealed takes way too long. And if we had met that point of the liar being revealed, like, midway, and then we dealt with all the processing of those emotions, and then we dealt with them fixing the relationship, like, so many of those same things could have happened. They could have both confronted their parents after we knew who he was, and it would have been more meaningful. Them as best friends... Yeah. And now lovers confronting their parents with, like, all the things they've probably talked about a million times together. Like, I feel like that would have been more meaningful. I feel like as much as I think Olivia Day did a really good job with fandom culture, with with fat shaming, with ableism, like, I think she really fumbled the ending here personally. And I just wish I could give this book a higher rating than I than I would give it now. Yeah. Kind of a closing thought in regards to this book. A lot was done well. This is Andy is completely honest, the episode. I got to a page about 250 the other night. I think it was last night. And I asked Corinne and Roxy. I was like, I think this, this, and this is going to happen. On a scale from 1 to 10, how close am I? I got an 8. It's predictable as fuck. And the magical healing dick pisses me off. That magical velvet over steel. (laughs) I'm uh, I'm done (laughs) clocking out. No, but I I had such high hopes with the way that she handled fan culture, the way she handled growing up fat or being perceived as fat by people that love you but don't handle it in a good way. Like, there was a lot of really good shit that got fucking railroaded by this two-week bullshit. And I'm... I will withhold until it's time for me to give me give my ma'am number. All right. Any closing thoughts, Roxy? Closing thoughts. <sighs> I really, I didn't hate the book. I really liked how it handled family dynamics and everything Andy said. I agree with. But they're not my favorite couple. And it hurts, you know, because they could be. They so easily could be. But... I feel like we've had better examples of relationships, you know? I I feel like they needed more growth. They needed more time. But I didn't hate the book. It really made me think, and it really it really hits you hard. I do still recommend it. I, I would recommend this book, genuinely. Especially if you're a fan of, like, fan fiction culture, like going yeah. to cons, being part of online communities. It's very heartfelt and it does a very good job representing that. It even has sections that look like Archive of Our Own, which is really cute. Yeah. Um, I don't hate the book. I liked it. 
I don't know if I liked them. <laughs> That's, yeah, I spent the whole book wanting to hear more about Alex and Lauren, and that is kind of bad in a romance. Yeah, when no. the main couple isn't the couple you want to be hearing about. <laughs> And, like, I, I yeah. even liked them separately, necessarily. It's just, I think the fact that their relationship was so much built on a lie through most of the book that, like, I, I couldn't super connect because every time I'm like, oh, this is a sweet moment. She doesn't know if, he's Bond. <laughs> yeah. If maybe yeah. the first half of the book had had the hurdle of you lied to me. Yes. And then the second half, the hurdle of his career and all the stuff unfolding with that and having to navigate all the shit that went down. I probably would have liked it more. Well, and but one I'm, thing that I was yeah. thinking is that, like, if that reveal had happened earlier in the book, then there could have been the intrigue of, is April the one leaking thing? We oh, never think shit. she is. Yeah. Because she never knew. That is, like, happening throughout the entire book. And, like, if April had known earlier, she could have been the one leaking things the entire time. It would have added an extra layer of, is she doing it? You know, like, are we just not seeing it? You know, it would have gotten so much hurt, comfort, yeah, so much angst. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that and shit. it was it was like a whole ah. area that wasn't explored because like April basically could never be the one leaking anything because she didn't know shit. She yeah. she didn't know, and I think that I don't know. It's just the first half of the book. I really wish had a, had a different second half of the book <laughs> because I yeah. like so much of it. The but I I think if I'm gonna give my ma'am rating, I think I'm gonna have to give it three out of five ma'ams because I just yeah. I can't go higher because I I like so much of it, but it 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 really kind of crumbles at the end. I'd agree. Three out of five ma'ams for me. I'm gonna be that dickhead and give it two point five out of five because that's how much of the book I <laughs> That's have. fair. That's valid. You struggled to get and through this. Two I did and like I, I do struggle to read, but I read fan fiction for fun. I devoured this should have been your thousands thing. of words yeah. avoiding. Well, this is the book you chose yeah. even. Like this should have been Yeah. I chose this. Oh my god, yeah. it was your book but this time. Yeah. But between it being fucking my my shitty relationships with my parents and the fat shaminess of it all, and then them just not being super likable, I was just, I'm out. So 2.5 out of 5 for me, not to Simon Cowley. <laughs> no, no, I think that's completely fair. I feel like I was teetering on going lower than a 3. But, like, I'm sticking with a 3 because I think a lot of it's done well. I think a lot of it's yeah. very fun. I think it has interesting commentary on a lot of things. It's just, it really fumbles the ending. Hey, do you guys feel that? What? what? A tingle! Is it time to get tingle? It's time to tingle! Alright. Also, real quick to the author, we don't hate you. Oh, sorry. Uh, we think you did no. a good job portraying things that are hard to get across. So if you ever want to chat with us or if you ever want to defend certain things, please reach out to us. Know that we did enjoy it. There were just some things we had issues with. And we, we do still recommend it to and the also, readers. Also drop your AO3 account. I know you have one. <laughs> drop it. I want to read your shit. Yeah, drop we want to know your AO3 account. I want to see your Game of Thrones... <laughs> I want to know okay, your game. Okay, tingle me. All right. All right. It's time to tingle. There's a tingle <laughs> in the air. This one seemed especially appropriate since it features a lonely author interacting with social media. No matter how hard I try, it seems like an impossible task. One that will simply drive me farther and farther into sadness and longing. Is the character real? Is the author? There is no way to really know. If I was to cut myself and bleed out on this keyboard, would my blood truly exist in a vibrant red? Or would it be black ink on a white page? That... 
I will never, ever truly be aware of. As I sit here pondering in sadness, my eyes drift to the two new messages on my computer screen, one from Bunter and one from Dennard. I suddenly realize that the answer to one of these questions is quite literally at my fingertips. I lurch forward and immediately type out a short message across the keyboard, slapping the enter key confidently as I blast it out to all my Twitter followers. Are you real, or just fake imaginations? It's not long before the answers start coming back with a resounding yes. Fans and peers alike begin to reach out online. Seeky Darstust torts, I'm as real as you are, Buck. While Borb Rearns says, oh, of course, Buck. We are your biggest fans and we love you. A nice reviewer named Decca Mall says, I'm real and waiting for your next erotic tale. Everyone is so supportive, but their words still leave me with a strange emptiness. Despite their reassurances, how could I ever know if these people are real? Are they who they say they are? When I was writing about the man who had no idea if, if he was a character in a book, everything seemed real to him despite his absurdity, and even though these online responses appear to make sense, how could I ever truly know? More importantly, is the key to renewing my ever-evasive inspiration? If I could somehow find a way to peer past the veil of reality and recognize my own world as real or written, could I find motivation in that? If only there was a way to know that these other authors were real. Suddenly, it hits me. This excerpt is from Lonely Author, pounded by dinosaur social media followers. Looking for the sexy bits? Well, those secrets are Chuck's, not ours, and we don't kiss and tell. You can find this book on Amazon and Kindle for two ninety nine. God damn it! It's, that was like that was a yeah, that was like Night Vale. Night vale. God yeah. Damn. Ooh, we got existential horror, and now it's time. I love <laughs> Night Vale so much. I, God. <laughs> me too. All right, you. tell me your fan fictions, cause I'm trash and I didn't get mine. Tell me. All right. Tell so, me. Uh, would you like mine to go first or would you like to go first, Andy? Uh, I'll, I don't care. I'll, I'll do mine last because it ties directly into the uh, the author. Okay. So my fanfic is actually not a fanfic and you can't access it online. This is starting oh, no. off great. So my friends might remember that like a month or two ago, I was obsessively posting something to a Google Doc. I was on the Wayback Machine, and there is such a thing as a social media AU, also known as a SMAO, I guess is how you would pronounce oh, it. Oh, this thing you were uh, doing! It's essentially... I remember this! Huh? I remember you being really obsessed with this. <laughs> yes. So, essentially, it is a thing where they create fake text messages, tweets, social media, and, and it looks real, but it's telling the story as a fanfic, but not as written word. It's a very interesting way to tell a story, and I really love them. I love social media AUs. They make me so happy. But there's one, Turtle Creek is what it's called, and it's from the It fandom, and it ships ready. And please don't think I'm cringe. I just like it. Be nice to me. Thank you. Okay. I went on the Wayback Machine, and I went to this person's Twitter because they deleted all of these, and I put them in a Google Doc so I could have them forever, so I could scroll back through and read my favorite social media. But it was about two actors being on a show. And there was a lot of... Not this, not liar revealed. And not like a ton of miscommunication. But just through the act of not knowing someone. There was a lot of the same kind of vibes of... You don't know this about me. But it, you kind of stumble on my trigger. And then I go self-destructive. Like obviously these characters didn't go self-destructive. But... These other characters went self-destructive and it's just kind of that similar vibe of like, not only is it dealing with a TV kind of atmosphere, but it's also, what's a good word for it? Honest. It's very earnest and honest in its storytelling and how like it felt 
like real characters, if that makes sense. I connected. I just want to say that I think you should include this Google Doc you have as a part of your show notes for this episode. I will think about it. The author has specifically. Oh, they don't want to be to Okay, never mind. We respect the author. We respect the author. Yeah. I, I have been on the Reddit, and if people have specifically been looking for this one, I have messaged them and said, hey, I have yeah. it, please don't share it, because I don't, I went through all this effort, like, I understand wanting yeah. to experience this, and I've kind of dealt with a crisis about this, like, do I respect the author, do I share it, but I would yeah. want someone to share There's it There's a difference me. between already so, being invested in it, and then it being taken down, and then sh- versus sharing it. To people who were never invested in it, because I feel like it gives yeah. them closure and doesn't disrespect the author. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, if, I if the author's wishes, no, no, we won't share. We won't share. I guess if you're on my Discord or if you need to get a hold of me, I'm super anonymous on most things. If that's something that you have experienced and you didn't get to finish it or you want a copy, just hit me up. But be a fan first. Like, don't just get it so you have this archived document. Yeah. So you can finish it if you started it and weren't able to. All right, so my fanfiction actually is because at the very end of the book, Olivia is in her acknowledgement. She talks about, I actually have a little segment here. And finally, to all the fanfic writers out there, I love you. For over a year, my anxiety meant I couldn't seem to read published books, but I could still lose myself in your work. Hilarious stories, gut-punching stories with unparalleled angst, stories of such unbounded creativity and talent I could only read in awe. You offer them all to the world for free, and you save my sanity, or at least its remaining shreds. A special shout-out to the brainy fandom, among whom I lurked for that year. You may see some signs of that throughout this manuscript. Just a guess. And I have to say that just felt really... Really real to me because up until just before this podcast, I wasn't able to read real books for uh, about a year or two because of my depression. And just before this podcast, I gained that ability back through basically medicine and figuring out, oh, fuck, I'm real stressed and that's making it so I can't enjoy things I like. But during that time, one of the only things I could do was read fan fiction. Like I could read fan fiction for some reason that block wasn't there for fan fiction. I don't know why, but it wasn't. So I really connected with that. So I wanted to bring a Brainy fan fiction. What is Brainy for? for yes, I, I was about to say. So Brainy is Brienne of Tarth and Jamie from Game of Thrones. So Jamie Lannister is a character that had seemingly a really good redemption arc going in Game of Thrones up until the last season really fucked it over. And Brienne of Tarth was always the character character that we all loved played by Gwendolyn Christie. She's tall, she's amazing, she's gives off such presence. She's a knight who in the story isn't viewed as beautiful. She is a wonderful, gorgeous woman, but like they do a really good job of she's she's non-traditionally beautiful and I think that it it works really well in Game of Thrones for a character like Brienne. And so Jamie and Brienne are we're kind of like a couple that we saw coming for the end, like they had multiple moments together where it seemed like, hey, these two could get together if Jamie gets his head out of his ass. And then it seemed like he was really starting to get his head out of his ass. And then the the showrunners decided they would rather work on Star Wars instead of their own show. And they fucked the last season. And that's where so much of spoiler alert comes from. Is it? It is basically the story of the last season of Game of Thrones, where everything's falling apart. The actors hate how their characters are being portrayed and their arcs are being smashed into the ground and romances that have been hinted at the entire time are just dashed to shreds. So here's a little fix-it fic, which are very common. Themes that I have here are excessive tagging, insecurity, a woman who doesn't meet conventional beauty standards, a happy ending that didn't occur in the original work. And this fic is I'll Stay Here Forever Buried in Your Love by Banana Chef on AO3. 
It's a sweet ending for Jamie and Brienne, and it has some hilariously excessive tags that felt a lot like the fix-in spoiler alert. The story takes place during slash after episode season eight, episode four, The Last of the Starks. That's the episode where Jamie and Brienne sleep together before Jamie leaves her for Cersei. In this version, that second part didn't happen. I'm not actually going to really read anything from the story because I feel like you can go look this up yourself. But I am going to read the excessive tags because I they're just really funny to me. And I feel like that's the most important thing to take away from this. This is a fix-it fic. They get together. They have a happy ending in more ways than one. But the tags here are great. Plot, what plot, slash porn without plot, fluff and smut, hurt comfort, episode, season eight, episode four, The Last of the Starks. Yes, this is yet another D&D brainy spite fic. Yes, I know that there's a lot of them, but I'm in mourning, y'all, okay? Half of my OTP died before I even got the chance to watch their love bloom. POV third person, mostly Brienne, but then at the end my brain started spewing out some stuff from Jamie's head, so yeah. No beta, we die like women. Night, Brienne of Tarth, Jamie Lannister does not know how to flirt, awkward flirting, blushing, insecurity, oral sex, 43 kisses and counting, marriage proposal, romantic fluff, first time hard eyes romance jamie's a softy those were all individual tags that were on this fic and that the excessive tagging is such a like a thing for fix it fix and i and i just really wanted to highlight that check out the fic it's really cute if you hated how jamie and brienne ended and jamie's stupid fucking death it's real dumb i have feelings about that last season of game of thrones i don't know if you can tell yeah no no i i feel that too oh I've never we watched used Game to, of Thrones. We were so, so into Game of Thrones. We used to hold parties at our house for every night the episode came out. And like our friends would bake things and bring food over. And it would be Game of Thrones themed. And I'll never forget that final episode. Everyone just looking around the room at each other. <laughs> Bevan and oh. I used to have like season premiere little like parties that were just by ourselves. Yeah. Where we'd like mm-hmm. make something really fancy for dinner and then like get sloshed on wine and watch the first episode. And like it just... That ending, it was, that last season, it was just so fucked. But yeah, so if if you want to read this sweet story, it's very short. It's like under 4K. It's just, you know, it'll be in my my notes for the episode. But yeah, I just, I just wanted to read the tags there. They're just so funny to me. <laughs> I will say, if you never ever pick up a fanfic, that's totally fine. Please, God, just go on AO3 and read <laughs> yes. these fucking tags. Tagging is a work of it art. Is. It's a mat. It's beautiful. <laughs> Sorry. It is. It is. It is. A, it is half the fun of fan fiction. Like it's just reading those tags and seeing like what ridiculous things this person yes. has put in the tags. Because some of them are legitimate. Like this is a thing that's going to happen in the story. And other times it's just nonsensical rambling. And you're like, you know what? Mood. <laughs> yeah. Like. Yeah. I wrote this instead of sleeping. Also, author's notes. There's a guy on TikTok yeah. that reads author's notes. It's like, sorry, my house burnt down and my mom died, but here's this chapter a week late. And it's like, yeah, are you yeah, good? The amount of dedication fanfic authors have where like their entire life will be in shambles and they're like, I'm so sorry, this is a day late. It's like, I'm making faces at the camera and raising my hands in confusion. Like, like you're right. Sorry? Um, <laughs> All right, so uh, that, that, that is, those are our fan fiction or not fan fiction, our, our social media AUs for the episode. And I think that that brings us to the end. So looking for hot content and even hotter vibes, check out our Patreon. You can find it linked in our Twitter, WBTYMPod. You can also find us on Instagram with the same name. And we have a Facebook page. 
if you're into that kind of thing. Please follow, rate, and leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Tell a friend. Chase down a coworker. We've got so much love to give, and we need your help to spread it. Finally, we'd like to thank Acorns for our theme song. This has been Wham, Bam, Thank You, Ma'am. We hope we've left you thoroughly satisfied. Together now. Get flirty and And stay stay dirty! dirty. (laughs) Woo! Woo!